Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. Episode 129. This episode is presented by Cosmic DG. Well, CosmicDG.com, Cosmic Disc Golf. Check them out. All the things they're doing. Cosmic Health. They've got Cosmic Tournament support. A lot of things going on. Check them out. Nick, you notice I don't have a blue background behind me. I do. Neither do I. Why is that, Matt? Well, that's because, uh, Ben, go to three up. That's because Nick is in Virginia. Uh I am in Michigan. And Evan, where are you? New Hampshire. New Hampshire. We are in three different parts of the country, and Ben is sitting in the studio alone in my studio. So, yep, uh, yep, there he is. So, pretty cool. The technology and the training that Ben has gotten to, where he can do this for us, it's uh, it's it's always happening. Tonight we got an awesome show, Kristen Tatar, and you know I wouldn't tease that unless I was really confident. Fans of the show know our history. Yeah, Kristen Tatar will be on uh, approximately a half an hour from now. And then Kyle Klein as well. Nick, a big show. Nick, what did you do this weekend? Uh, what did I do? I played a charity event on Saturday here at Goliath. So that was fun. And then just hung out. We actually got snow on Sunday. So there wasn't really much to do Sunday. So I watched a lot of disc golf, which was perfect because I got to watch FPO and MPO. And the awesome battle that unfolded over at Waco. I got to say, Waco being one of the shorter courses on the tour, actually the shortest course on the pro tour, uh, is still definitely one of my favorites actually to watch. And I was very bummed out about not going this year. And uh, the weather looked a lot better than the year that I went to it. But um, yeah, I got to watch a lot of disc golf and play some darts and just kind of had a nice relaxing weekend. Evan, it was a uh, big pro tour and Stat Mando is really involved. What is your main role, if you don't mind, if I ask, during a tournament weekend? Uh, like me being Evan? What's yeah, my well, main role? Yeah, I mean, part of Stat Mando. What's your main role? Um, well, <clears throat> Stat Mando as a whole, we, yes. we pretty much always have someone uh, kind of watching the broadcast, uh, thinking of cool stats. If there's anything that comes up from uh, the Pro Tour side that they're curious about, they, they might ask. Uh, and we'll try to research it. Um, but then we're, we're just coming up with the cool stats as we go. I mean, what we're watching and what we see developing, we quickly look into it, see if anything uh, yeah. is notable from that, and then share it. Um, so I what are you out- doing? Are you getting was, like your feet soaked in a hot bath massage, like as the tournament oh, unfolds? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on Friday, I was do I was doing that. I was getting down and dirty. Uh, we we split up the team, so it's not one person doing it the whole weekend. Um, but then uh, weekend, I was I was at least hands off doing it from my phone. Uh, the team is pretty good. I was maybe just chiming in a little bit with some ideas and uh, whatnot. Uh, I, I will say on Sunday it was great. I. We, we went skiing, did a nice half day. It was kind of spring skiing. Then we went to Treehouse in uh, Deerfield, Mass., which is their, their expansion one in Western Mass., because we were skiing out in Western Mass. Mm-hmm. And saw the scores coming down. I'm like, hey, it's getting exciting. Pulled it up on my phone while enjoying a nice Treehouse beer <laughs> outside on their lawn chairs. And unfortunately, but also fortunately, saw what happened uh, with Hole 18 <laughs> for the women. Uh, so that was exciting in a nice casual setting, not having to to look up the stats, but someone else on our team was absolutely. So a lot going on for all of us. I wanted to hit a few cool highlights for me. I was traveling last week as well, and I was in Madison, Wisconsin, shout out to CC 
and Dr. Ben. Now, CeCe is about to become a doctor. They're both doctors, and they like disc golf, and they're fans of the show for a long time. Shout out to them. I got to play in a snowy round with them and then talk about what they are doctors for. CeCe is a doctor, or just about, very close, graduating like in the next month or two with her chemistry doctorate. And Ben, ecolog e ecology. See, I can't even say the word. <clears throat> Ecolosh. <laughs> Well, he's an ecolo ecologist, ecologist. There we go. Ecology. Ecological doctor. I don't know. Looking at like invasive species that are like taking over water and like real, obviously you're really into it as a doctor. So ooh, ooh. I said, come out to Maple Hill. I said, check out the God. water there. Wait, wait, wait. Speaking of invasive species and water. I'm, okay. We are, the Statman team does a lot of cool things. I'm like 99% sure that's what Carl does. Who's been on this, uh, on this podcast and it was also on the the stat yeah. mando charity trivia show hey, if carl if you're watching drop in the chat if that is what you do <laughs> or if i'm messing it up and someone else on our team does it and if so i'm sorry but i think it's what carl does so yeah it, it was crazy I, I wasn't prepared for the snow i posted a little bit on the social instagram stories and uh it was fun the conversations were great i feel smarter having hung out with them <laughs> but they liked the show so that's really cool um, so i'm gonna i'm gonna interrupt yeah, you really quick so you know, we have intern Ben tonight producing the whole show, and I already got to give him strike one. You ready? Yeah. So at the bottom of our screen, we have the overlay that kind of like scrolls across, and uh -oh. underneath it just said the Open at Belton is taking place March 18th and 19th. Yep. It is actually the Open at Austin this year. All right. Give so me a break. quick little, <laughs> quick little just have to, you know, kind of bust Give me a break. A bit, I was uh, anyways feverishly yeah. typing is my understanding. He, exactly. He's killing it for us. Um, yeah. In fact, while he's on screen here, intern Ben's disc golf expo is taking place this weekend. Yes. And I am absolutely stoked to be a part of it. If you're not there and you're in the Northeast, you're absolutely missing out. You are. Ben, give us a quick highlight rundown. Tell people what they're going to get if they go. So here's going to be awesome vendors like Thought Space, Dismania, MVP, uh, Marshall Street, Maple Hill, Disc Golf 978. We have some awesome um, influencers, Jesse from Trash Panda, Robbie C, Josh from Overthrow giving free forum reviews, and the guys from the Nick and Matt show, the show you're watching right now, are going to be there. And Matt is giving a Nick and Matt show experience. He's dropped a lot of money to give you the fans a uh, cool experience. So, yeah, you can come say to hi to Swing three by. out of the four Nick and Matters. <laughs> Swing by. I have plans uh, to do something kind of cool, but also I think we're going to give out stickers to about 200 people. And I think there's going to be a lot more than that. I think there's going to be thousands of people, but 200 people. And I think what we'll do. Oh, you found them. Got them. Yeah. If if they stick the sticker on something and tag the Nick and Matt show, I think we're going to do a, a like a drawing or a prize for people who hashtag or tag at Nick and Matt show. We're going to give away something massive. So come get a sticker. Take a picture of what you put it on and hashtag it or add us. Make sure we get it. Um, that's a lot. There's so much. There's so much content to talk about from this week. But what we're going to do is pass it over to Evan now. Stat Mando recap for us of the Waco. Is it the Waco? Waco Annual Charity Open yeah, spells Waco. Waco. Is it just Waco? I I don't know. I, I feel weird saying the Waco, even if you're referring to the abbreviation. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I just always say Waco. And okay. sometimes I put it like Waco, like the city, like a capital W in the rest lowercase. Some it's I do all caps. DGPT dash prodigy presents waco waco okay give it to us Evan. yeah not the waco okay not awesome the waco, cool waco. 
All right. Well, we had some dramatic finishes in both divisions. Um, let's start with Kyle Klein winning it from the chase card. He is the most recent chase card winner. Of course, we would have to go back to Simon Lazada, uh, MVP open last year, Eagle McMahon before that at 2020 Idlewild. Uh, Matt, you like to say you were there for that one. Uh, and yes. then before that, we have Colton Montgomery winning at 2020 Waco. Uh, that was a shortened event, but still, you know, announced beforehand that that was the final round. He won from the chase card. Uh, interesting enough, all four of those players won with this mania. I find that just uh, pretty what cool. are the chances. Pretty yeah, cool. pretty rare. Neat fact there. Not that I think any <laughs> anything with the plastic leads you to win from the chase card, but really interesting there. But uh, Kyle played absolutely phenomenal uh, in the final round. He shot 13 under in that final round, which was the hot round for the entire weekend, which I believe would have been a 17 under if it was with the par of a few years ago when Paul McBeth shot the 18 under. I believe it was one stroke side of that. I actually don't 100% know. I'm kind of winging it here. But uh, incredibly good finish with Adam Hammes uh, leading both that final round and just not catching up to Kyle Klein, who is in the card above, uh, getting some extra birdies. Uh, incredible finish. Kyle Klein birdies 18. Adam Hammes wasn't able to get up the birdie on 17, so he essentially had to ace hole 18 and didn't get the ace. Uh, ended up just getting a par for solo second. Interesting enough, it's Adam Hammes' first Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite Podium, that wasn't a win. Um, he, he had no other podiums except his 2021 MVP Open win. I just find that interesting. Um, obviously, lots of very good finishes, lots of top tens. Uh, moving on, Calvin Heimberg and Cole Radullin snag the third spot. Calvin Heimberg is now number one in Disc Golf Pro Tour points, uh, thanks to his Las Vegas win and now a podium at Waco. Uh, Calvin Einberg has been number one in disc golf pro tour points a heck of a lot lately. Uh, 23 of the calculated weeks. That's just when an event happens and new uh, points are calculated. Uh, he has led for 23 calculated weeks, which is the most of anyone since the start of 2020. I think Ricky Wysocki is around 18 uh, and the Paul McBeth is a good, good amount below that in third. Um, he also has not dropped outside of the top three in disc golf pro tour points in a week that he actually had an event to count towards. So excluding the wraparound silvers that he didn't participate in. But as soon as he played his first event, LVC, he was up into the top three and going back every week to the start of 2020, he has been in the top three of disc golf pro tour points. Uh, I think that really speaks to his hot starts yes. and then keeping it up all season long. Uh, absolutely incredible. Of course, Matt's favorite player um, <laughs> it, there. I thought for a half a second that he was going to go back to back. And I said, this is, this will be awesome. The year of Calvin. I, uh, so I, I, I thought it was Calvin going to win it when Adam started to get a few extra pars and wasn't <laughs> getting those bogeys late. And Kyle Klein was making the push from chase. I thought it was Calvin uh, going to take it home, but Kyle kept on pushing and, Ended up with the win. It's because um, we didn't do picks, though. I would, I didn't have the opportunity to pick Calvin. So right. we're going to have to do it that again. That could have been it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, Cole Radong getting, I believe, his first podium of his career at Elite Majors. Really good finish for the youngster there. And Kevin Jones rounding out the top five, who has had a pretty dang good start to 2023 after, uh, I'll say, quote, underwhelming season that everyone liked to say. But I, I, I think I like to say he had a, he still had a pretty decent season last year, just maybe didn't have any of the the wins that was maybe expected of him too um but an incredibly good start him and Kyle Klein both I think 
would have been dubbed an underwhelming season. And Adam Hammes, all of those would have been dubbed an underwhelming season last year, and they're all off to great starts. Uh, Kyle Klein also, going back to him, uh, has the second most active uh, top 30 streak uh, from Elite Series and Majors. Just one behind... Second most. Second most, just not one behind, excuse me, uh, a few behind Gannon Burr. Uh, since oh, wow. for just the last two seasons, he's one behind, but Gannon Burr's streak goes a touch longer to the year before. Um, so again, incredibly consistent, even though he had, again, quote, an underwhelming season last year. <laughs> I'm curious what he he says about that if we, uh, if we get it in. Hopping over to the women, this was a dramatic finish as well. Uh, Kristen Tatar takes it home. Uh, and if you watch, we all saw it happen. Ella Hansen was up to a four stroke lead, I believe, uh, in the last three holes, I believe, I think it was going into hole 16. She had a four stroke lead, uh, unfortunately got a few bogeys, went bogey, bogey, bogey to end it. Um, and I think most notably on hole 18 had a one stroke lead. Uh, she was last on our card because of the bogey on 17. Um, all three of the ladies who went first all laid up. Ella Hansen with their big arm decided to go for it. Ends up going too long, a little right, goes OB. A lot of people questioning that decision, but she ultimately didn't make the upshot from there into a into a great spot. She was a little outside the circle and unfortunately didn't hurt her putt. Meanwhile, Kristen Tatar's layup then executed a perfect approach shot uh, right to the edge of circle and made that clutch putt to win it in regulation, uh, not even letting it go to a playoff. So flip the... Uh, Flip the the positions right there to get the win. Um, that is only Kristen Tatar's second win from trailing leading into the final round at Elite and Majors. Uh, we have to go back to 2021 D-Glow. So all over eight standard uh, standard stroke play Elite and Majors last year were all won with her either tied or leading into the final round. Um, I think that's really interesting. She didn't trail a whole bunch, so that can add to it, but. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Not as much opportunity. Yeah. Ella Hansen takes home her sixth podium of her career, uh, which all things considered is absolutely incredible. I mean, she's still pretty new to tour. Don't forget that. She signed up for the PDGA in 2020, played her first Disc Golf Pro Tour event in 2021. And here she is, you know, some may say she had the victory and, and lost it, but to be in that position so quickly really uh, speaks to her rise in Disc Golf. Um, Owen Scoggins getting another sneaky third place, great finish, and Sarah Hokum getting fourth. This is her uh, her best finish in almost a year from when she podium at Champions Cup. Wow, that is a full recap. That was totally awesome. Yeah, let me touch up. Uh, I don't love love to touch on the uh, the not so good news, but I think it's worth at least mentioning. Of course, that says a lot uh, just about how things are in the sport. Is that Paige Pierce finished outside the top ten at sixteenth? She was fourteen strokes back of Tatar. Um, she played her uh, worst event rating um, since the start of twenty twenty two in the last two seasons. Uh, it was tied with U.S. Women's actually, uh, but tied for the worst. Um, in the last two seasons, as far as event rating goes. And at, speaking of event rating, Kristen Tatar actually shot under her rating. Uh, she is a 988 rated player and averaged 987.33 on the weekend. Still able to grab the victory while playing under your rating. That sounds nice. Um, and then over on the MPO side, Eagle, Eagle Man getting off to a little bit of a slow start. He uh, finished 35th. He finished uh, even par in round one. Uh, that marks his last three even or worse rounds on tour. 
all at Waco. Waco 2023 was the most recent, and then he shot over par once and exactly even at 2021 Waco of two of the three rounds that year. Oh, man. Good and bad. All Crazy of it. Uh, jam-packed week. Yeah. And we are I mean, going to go through some of it. We'll go through some yeah, of the leaderboards uh, later and get some reactions from us. I'll kind of just react. To, I think one of the biggest things is, you know, we saw over at Vegas the way Calvin took down the win against Kevin. Kevin playing a little bit safe coming down the stretch. And then same thing with Ella Hansen. And I think the biggest thing about the Ella Hansen loss is just – the the amount of pressure that she was feeling in those last three or four holes i think was just insane because 16 is a relatively easy par four i think it's actually the easiest hole in the course she threw her drive ob left which is just a a mistake that you know you're not confident right now your pressure is building up right now you got a couple holes before your first elite series win potentially and then 17 she had an incredible drive went with the standstill forehand that kind of just popped up on her almost went out of bounds, came down, ended up sitting in bounds, but then not being able to get up and down. And then 18, this is kind of one of the biggest things that I've seen on Twitter is everyone's like, oh, why wouldn't she just play the simple hyzer? I mean, we know Ella and she crushes it. She wasn't really trying to attack the basket, I think, but she was playing the game style that she had practiced. She knows that she can get over to that pond on the right-hand side. There is a lot of landing room over there. I think just that upshot though, especially in those conditions, you know, massive tailwind, this is, you know, you got to get it in for par now because they play it as a par four. You got to get in for par just for the, um, excuse me, the playoff if Kristen hits that putt. And realistically, I think just all that pressure added up and, you know, it, it happened. Kristen missing a few putts going into those last nine holes, missing some key putts that you're used to seeing Kristen make. Uh, but then clutching up on 18, it was just kind of an incredible fought battle between both of them. Yes, uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, just chatting here with Kristen, getting her lined up to join into the show here soon. She's not here yet, but she will be soon. So let's continue on with some of our talks here. Uh, I mean, we're going to do a leaderboard review. If you see me looking off to the left, I'm not usually sitting in a hotel room like this. So I got my notes in different places. But uh, Wysocki, I think, why well, I don't want to say I think disappointment to see Wysocki not at another event. He says mm -hmm. he's looking to come and show up at the open or open at Austin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then Kona and Colton made an announcement that they're off tour indefinitely until Kona's health situation is figured out. So those are a few competitors that Kona and Colton notably as having the wins at that event. So yeah. unfortunate they weren't there. Um, Thinking, what do you think of Nico's uh, in, in about one minute or less? Because we got to bring on my brother Josh. But what do you think about Nico's uh, apparel choice with the white stripes, Nick? What did you think? Oh, it's the good old referee shirt. You know, no one's going to be calling a time violation on the referee <laughs> out there. So, nah, I I thought it was funny. Uh, I mean, it was within the PDGA rules of being a shirt that he's allowed to wear. And you know, at that point, I think it literally it did the job that it was supposed to do to where us on our podcast the day after are talking about it. So realistically, he's getting the attention that I think he probably slightly wanted out of that shirt. Slightly? I, it's starting to feel like it's like a Drew Gibson thing. But Evan, what did you think? Good entertainment? I, I thought it was hilarious. I loved it and want him to do it more or more <laughs> things like that. If he, I mean, he, uh, with, the way, with, the, with the way disc golfers' uh, closets are, he probably will wear that every single uh, tournament weekend. Uh, but I, I love the idea. And if he has more things up his sleeve uh, along that kind of thinking, uh, I'm all for it. Yeah. And um, also, Evelina's putting is getting a lot of attention. Uh, she's putting down good rounds 
minus the poor putting. So it's coming back to putting on a few holes. And I counted up, I think, three holes. Maybe it was four. But had she just parred it, she would have been in the top 10 easily. And I think I, if I did it correctly, she would have been really close to top five even. So either way, unfortunate, but really cool. It's going around the internet, kind of viral, disc golf viral. Paul is kind of showing tips and techniques, it appears. I don't know if anyone has confirmation on it, but it appears that he is showing tips and techniques for how to release the putter from the hand in a way that will hopefully benefit her. So mm -hmm. that's pretty cool. All right. With all that being said, uh, we still haven't named the segment yet, but I think we're going to call it like what's on Josh's mind. So let's go and let's find out what is on Josh's mind. Here we go. All right, I'll start with a congratulations to both Kristen Tatar and Kyle Klein for their wins this past weekend. As a fan, I'd like to say thank you for giving us some exciting disc golf to watch. But to continue talking as a fan, which I am and which most of you listening are, I'm disappointed once again that a player in contention for the win did not know they were in contention for a win. Let me emphasize once more, I'm speaking as a fan of the sport, not as a player a caddy, a sponsor, or even a coach, but as a fan of sports competition in general and in full recognition that many individual sports, especially golf, that the mental aspect is a significant part of the game. So part of what I'm watching for is how the best players perform when the pressure is the highest. So here we have Kristen Tatar. And although she stumbled throughout the final round, she did come out on the top, taking the lead on the very last hole of the event, and the way it went down at first glance, I'm tempted to call it a gutsy performance by one of the best to do it. But then she goes and tells us this, quote, coming into the last hole, I didn't think I had any chance of winning. I didn't know the scores. And after I, after I had made my upshot, then I checked the scores. Then I was like, Seth, I think I have a chance to win right now. I didn't know that. And then earlier in the round, she said, I thought I'm not playing for the win in my head. And this is not the first we've seen on this, lest you think I'm only picking on Kristen. We've seen players win and we've seen players lose, and they didn't know the score when it mattered. In 2017, GMC in Vermont between Pierce and Hokum, Pierce wins and Hokum said, I didn't know. 2020, Eagle McMahon, D-Glow unknowingly wins and says, I won? I won? Really? What? And it tells us he employed that strategy on purpose and quoted as, that's why you don't check scores, no added pressure. Compared to other players, uh, not only, but specifically Paul McBeth, on hole 17 putt at World Championships, who has told us that he knew what was on the line when he hit that putt, or quite frankly, compared to any playoff hole in any event where the players situationally must know what is on the line. And as a fans, we love that. Again, it may be a perfectly viable, and maybe it's an excellent strategy for a player. Not talking about that. But as a fan, what I want is I want them to know the score. I want them to know the exact scores as they unfold. I want them to feel the moment, to experience the pressure, to know what's on the line, and then I want to see them execute. Golf is a game of both physical skill and mental strength. We know that. Um, and I don't want them to find a way to strip the mental pressure away. I want them to stare down the dramatic moment directly in the face. Why do we have phrases like ice in their veins or they have a killer instinct? Why does that mean something? It's because individuals with those attributes almost always know the full context of the situation, but yet they still perform. That's what makes it incredible. We know this to be true in plenty of other high-profile sports. Competitors almost always know the situation. 
Think of a closing pitcher, bottom of the ninth, two outs, two strikes. They literally know exactly what the situation is, and yet they must still throw a perfect pitch. Knowing the situation ramps up the pressure, which is what makes it a great performance. And that has always differentiated the greats. We don't celebrate someone who can throw a 99-mile-per-hour fastball with no pressure, but fold when something is on the line. We don't celebrate somebody who can make all of their circle's edge putts, but can't make a putt when something's on the line. Instead, we celebrate performance when there is pressure on the line. I feel the same about disc golf. Personally, as a fan, I want to see the best of the best perform under pressure when the stakes are at the highest and the player knows the moment and they still execute. All right. So first of all, Josh's background looks way better than all of ours. Now we got to step up our game. <laughs> I'm in a hotel, Nixon, a dungeon and Evans and I don't know where. Yeah. But, but all that being said, I think that he, first of all, he brings up some interesting points as a fan. We love drama. A fan's perspective loves drama. That's what we want to see. So what we saw was dramatic on the final hole. It feels like had there been a scoreboard is what I'm hearing, not Josh say, but had there been a scoreboard that actually actively is like over the basket, right? And it's telling them before every throw, this is what's on the line. I mean, that would change the game drastically. Um, Evan or Nick, any small comments uh, on this? And then we're going to get ready to jump into an interview with Kristen. Yeah, I think coming from a fan's perspective, you know, how weird would it have been if Kristen walks up to that final hole and then lays it up? Like, let's say she was 20 feet away, thinking in her head that she has no idea whether she's going to win the tournament. And we've seen pros in the past and not know the scores. Like Josh was just mentioning, Eagle saying, wait, I won. Um, I think, you know, imagine she imagine if she had a 25-footer and just laid it up, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, by the way, you're in a playoff. If you had just made that putt, you would have won the tournament. So coming from a fan's perspective, yeah, a playoff would have been cool to see. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, it's like, Watching her drain that 30-ish footer, probably 30, 33 feet, was incredible to see. And then her knowing the scores at that point, her knowing the scores and what that final putt meant, just made that moment, I think, a lot more incredible. And, you know, I didn't know that she doesn't check the scores until she had said it in her post-round interview. And I think a majority of the pros at least have a pretty decent idea. Like Adam Hammes was saying in his interview, how, you know, he has a pretty good idea of what people at least are doing on his card. And then with the beauty of UDisc Live, it's allowing every single player to know what everyone else is doing. So Adam obviously knew that Kyle was, you know, making a really big charge coming from the chase card. But I think as a span, excuse me, as a fan, we want to see the most excitement that we can out of any single event. That, and that was a good point. Yeah. Good point on that putt. I mean, she knew it. She had to hit mm -hmm. the putt. Evan, what do you think? Yeah, I'll say this. I mean, as a fan as well, uh, and and want to see the best disc golf possible. How do we see the best disc golf possible? Is the players playing how they're comfortable. So Ooh. Eagle McMahon winning at 2020 Deglo, he he had a phenomenal round because he was comfortable. Uh, it, let's throw a scenario here, and I'm not saying this would have happened, but if if Tatar knew the scores going into Hole 18's drive, and then she thinks she has to make it over the water to to contend, uh, like it, it could have made it a lot less exciting. Uh, whereas she played the best hole, she played the holy team the best way she could i believe um and obviously it turned out to be an incredible finish to put the pressure on ella instead like i think it's a viable strategy anyways which it's a side comment to my point being uh i players should play how they're comfortable it i would, think it makes like coming from playing other team sports you know the score at all times so it is weird to like grasp but it's what they're comfortable with and but they'll play but, the best how they're comfortable 
Yeah, I love that take. I love that take, and I'm glad we had something contrary to Josh's opinion. <laughs> but at the same time, I think uh, I feel like players knowing is in general it is more exciting because what what happens too? Let me go down to this side. This was where my brain was going. I got stumbled there. If they don't know, the conversation would be a lot different had she said she didn't know and then she lost by one, right? Did we see that at the Pro Tour finales? Was it Sarah Hokum? Yeah, so Sarah Hokum with her with her putt with the kind of qualifying. Right. So picks. the conversation would have been drastically different today if that was the case. So I don't want to say we got lucky, but had she known maybe she was one or two strokes out coming down the last few holes, and it was a different story. You could do the what ifs and all that forever. But I, my point is, I think there is, you got to kind of be aware and maybe she's more aware than we know. And maybe she's more than aware that she commented. That's fine. Yeah. And last thing is if, if you're that type of player who doesn't want to know, or you're just a little bit more relaxed about seeing it mm -hmm. that why that's, that's the reason why it is important to have a caddy who doesn't need True. to have the mental aspect and can look mm -hmm. if there's a situation where you need to go for it. Like if that was like a, a birdie or die hole in, you know, Tatara's right. like if she laid up, it's essentially losing, then it would have been a different story. And hopefully her caddy would have been like, Hey, just so you know, you need to birdie Good this point. or something, something along those lines. Good point. And I know Missy Gannon and her uh, boyfriend do that. Um, Nick, it's never out of season for beef jerky. It's always it in is. season, but the tour has started. What are the pros carrying in their bag as a snack? I know uh, we've been enjoying double G craft jerky, but we got, we know we've got word that they're doing some new things. Nick, go ahead and tell us about it. So double G craft jerky, which actually give me one second. <laughs> give me a I second. Whoa. Switch Changing out the hats. And talk about how the hat's a little bit big on me. Don't get me wrong because it's not broken in. But double G craft jerky does offer hats. Um, they're adding a new flavor in the upcoming weeks, which um, will be actually for a disc golfer. So go ahead in the comment section. Um, make some comments. Who do you think is going to be the next flavor in disc golf? We've seen the Nate Sexton hot and spicy. We've seen the Paul McBeth, um, the McBeast barbecue. So that's one of the new things that WG Craft Jerky is doing. They're also offering player packs with TD four TDs. They come with hats, koozies, minis, coolers, pins, and of course, any jerky flavor that they have in the one ounce bag or the 2.5 ounce options. One of the coolest things that they do, and I think this is kind of like a Netflix, Hulu, is they do a monthly subscription to where you sign up for it, you click it, and there you go. You never have to worry about it again, and every single month, beef jerky is going to be dropped to your store. They've been adding some new players on the team. As you've seen in the Disc Golf Pro Tour on the Disc Golf Network, we've seen commercials with now Randon Lana, Isaac Robinson, a couple other people, and Double G just really backing all of this. And one of our favorite guys over at the Double G Craft Jerky is Ted, who's just been an incredible guest with us, an incredible partnership. And so we want to show them the best support that we can. So check it out, Double G Craft Jerky, and uh, pick up your favorite flavors. Mine is the McBeast Barbecue, big barbecue guy, and I absolutely love it. So is... Beef jerky and chill a thing. You mentioned <laughs> Netflix and Hulu. So we got some beef jerky and chill. Order some. and Get that hot and that. spicy and things might get hot and spicy. Good job. Okay. No problem. Without further ado, um, I'm under the impression out of studio. Intern Ben, do we have uh, a guest in the green room? We do. Okay. So without further ado, let's welcome to the show for the very, very first time. Uh, the accolades are too many, but current and reigning world champion. We'll start there. Uh, let's go to the Pro Tour finale champion. And most recently, the Waco, the Waco. Annual Charity Open. 
tournament winner, Kristen Tatar. Welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for being on the show. We have teased out that you've been coming on <laughs> multiple times and we always get crap because something falls through on our side. Something has fallen through on your side, mostly our side. That's our fault. But at the same time, we are just so excited for you to finally make your Nick and Matt show debut. And uh, first off, congratulations on such an awesome win. The first win of the 2023 season. Finally back on the Disc Golf Pro Tour. What does this mean to you? And we'll just start from there. Well, first of all, thank you. Um, it was a crazy tournament for sure. Um, starting off with a course record uh, and then kind of like falling back a little bit. Uh, and then to win such a way, this is something that I couldn't have like dreamed about, I guess. Uh, definitely one of the wildest wins I've ever had. And uh, just because of the situation and me not like, really like checking the scores, usually I know the scores very well, but I don't know what happened in this tournament. I guess after the double bogey and then missing a short putt on the next hole, it kind of like got to me. So... In my mind, I already thought, okay, this train is gone and uh, I'll just have to cruise until the end. <laughs> wow. But to win, it's, it's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so you might have been in the green room when Josh was giving his little speech on the fans' perspective. And it's like the fans love to have the drama. Drama unfolded because you knew the score for that last putt, correct? Yes. Yes. Because. I mean, my approach shot wasn't perfect and I was thinking, okay, maybe I'm like, I should look if I'm like second, third, I don't know where I position. And then I opened up Udisc and I saw that I was just one behind Ella and the next place was already like three strokes behind or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I, then I told Seth, oh my gosh, I have to make this pump. Then I have a chance to like tie at that point when I saw the scores because I mean, yeah, Ella was OB and the best she could do, I assumed, was to get a par. So I knew I had to make this putt. But uh, yeah, when I realized that she's taking a bogey, then I thought, oh my gosh, I could just win it here right now. And then I told myself, I have to do it. <laughs> wow. No, no. Re yeah. Realistically, I kind of want to hear your mindset going into that because on hole 14, you had put out a great drive. And I think that's one of the putts that you were talking about missing. And then 16, Ella came into some trouble. 17, Ella also came into some trouble. And on 17, you also had another putt for birdie. I think about the same distance as you were putting on hole 18. Now, realistically, on hole 18, where your putt was, you could have played it up, had a tap-in par, and you guys would have gone into a playoff. Did that cross your mind at all? Or was it you know, blocking out all the putts that you had previously missed and just focusing on this one putt? Uh, yeah, this was the first moment I realized I have a chance of winning because – the other putts, I didn't think they would matter that much. Like, uh, I, I had no idea we were so close. I don't know why. I don't know where my thoughts were. But, yeah, the last putt I knew I had to make. I didn't even think about laying up because I knew I could settle it right there and then. And, of course, I would choose that option instead of laying up and going into playoff. Um, yeah, I, I had no – this was my only option, I felt like. Okay. So – disc golfers always think they can play better, but how would you grade your final round performance? If you use a scale of one to 10 or whatever, how did you feel you were performing in this last round? Um, 
it's hard to judge, you know, I won. So obviously I did, <laughs> I did something correct. Um, but yeah, there's always room for improvement, like you said. And um, I feel like I was mentally very strong and uh, was in the present moment at all times. But since I didn't have a perfect off season where I could train the way I would have liked, then I feel like there's a little bit of like inconsistency in my shots. So this is something that definitely needs needs some improvement. But I'm not too hard on myself. I know it will get better uh, week after week. Absolutely. So tell us about Ella Hansen competing against her. I know disc golf is not a head-to-head -head sport directly against each competitor, but you were there, and as you said, you felt like you were lagging behind a little bit. Did you step back at any point and go, wow, Ella's really good? Like, what were your thoughts about Ella's competition? Yes, of course I thought she was really good. I'm, I mean, she was playing very well and making putts from everywhere. Her drives were very good and... Um, it gave me the impression that I have no chance because, I mean, I felt like my skills were a little bit off. So it was really hard to catch up with her. Uh, yeah. So seeing her like stumble towards the end, I, at that point, I thought it doesn't matter anymore, but obviously it did. Mm -hmm. So you traveled over from Estonia, is that correct, to the U.S. a couple weeks ago or right before the tournament? Um, so on 4th of March, so like okay. a week before. Okay, so how long does jet lag take to be removed from your system? Like, is it a week? How long does it feel for you? Are you still dealing with it? Um, maybe a little bit. Uh, I still go to bed like 9, nine o'clock, but it's not too bad. Uh, I think the first evening I was in bed and sleeping at 8 p.m. So, and waking up like 4 a.m. So that was kind of interesting. <laughs> but uh, right now it's it's getting better after each day and it's, it's all good. I think traveling to the U.S. is a lot easier than going back home. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Gotcha. Um, I know a lot of people have kind of been asking this, people saying that you were rubbing your elbow or rubbing your back throughout the um, live coverage. How is... How is everything going with previous injuries? How do you feel like the rehab has been? And how do you feel like the season is going to play out kind of with those? Um, I think everything is going according to plan. I mean, my surgery was like three and a half months ago. So obviously it's a little bit like sore and sensitive. And um, I'm still like getting into like throwing discs and, and that kind of stuff uh, and doing like these powerful movements. Uh, but right now I feel like I have nothing to really complain about. Um, I'm just taking one step at a time and, uh, not really like pushing myself too hard. I think this is the key in recovery, not just pushing myself. Yeah. Okay. Um, we got questions all over the chat right now is going wild. They love you. The fans love you. Mm -hmm. Um, last year you had tremendous performance and so many people were singing your praises. You won the world championship. You are the current and reigning world champion. Um, I've heard you say that you're not putting a lot of pressure on anything because you have nothing to prove. Um, but coming out with a win and starting that way, does your mind start thinking what might be the rest of the season? Um, 
I try not to, you know, because yeah. I feel like uh, living in the future or living in the past, it just creates trouble for 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 me and for anybody else out there. Uh, so it's it's always better to be in the present moment. Uh, think about what I can do right now to make things better. Um, so yeah, I try not to trouble myself with these kind of thoughts, to be honest. Okay, and so when you went back home to Estonia. Uh, we saw that you received, is it the highest sports uh, award that Estonia has to offer? Is that correct? Tell us about that. Um, yes. So um, our government gives out these awards uh, to athletes from all kind of different fields. And I think there were like uh, 145 people applying. And so they picked out six and I was one of them. And I think it's a uh, huge thing for for disc golf in general to be recognized in that level and uh disc golfer yeah it's it was crazy and mind-blowing uh i mean yeah I'm, I'm very proud did you did you have to go somewhere to receive that award and meet certain people like how, what what was the what did you have to do because you received that award uh yeah there were like different uh other people who were like uh, doing uh, science and and all sorts of really important people, and uh, I got the <laughs> the award from our prime minister. So yeah, it was a really special moment. Wow, awesome! Um, so let's let's again let's jump all over the board here. Uh, we saw that the P, uh, the disc golf pro tour announced that they're going to have a portion of a Euro tour as part of the disc golf pro tour silver series. Are you participating in that or have plans to? Uh, yes, I, I plan on going to a few events. Uh, I think I'm going to go into Norway, um, Sweden, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a short trip. I don't know everything by heart, but I have planned uh, a, a couple of events in Europe as well. Okay, um, let's let's jump around a little bit more here. Um, what courses do you remember? from last year, so you did a lot of the tour last year, that maybe you're looking forward to going back to, I'm sure you get asked that question a lot, but are there any new tournaments that you're planning to, to do this year in the US? Mm, I think I have a couple of new ones, yes. Uh, again, I don't even remember them. That's okay. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I have quite a few uh, new courses uh, that I attend this year. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to uh, competing uh, in Champions Cup again this year. And of course, Jonesboro, I think uh, these were the ones that I really, really liked. And uh, going back up north, uh, playing Maple Hill and uh, playing in Vermont. I think these are the one of my favorites. Okay. Very what do you cool. do with what, what do you do with your free time between tournaments? Like like right now, maybe. Like what do you like to do besides practice disc golf? What do you like to do? Um, well last week I like to sleep a lot. Uh, <laughs> so basically basically all my free time I was just resting and sleeping. Um, but yeah, I read books. Um I guess we will try to do some sightseeing if there's something around, but uh, mostly it's just like recovering and relaxing and uh, nothing like too special. Okay. Nothing too special, but is there a food or a candy or something that the U S has that you don't get in Estonia? Is there something like that, that you're like, I have to find where that is on each stop 
Mm. Not really. I, th I think I like kombucha and I think you wow. have a lot like better options here than back in Estonia. So whenever I come over here, I'm like a kid at a candy store picking up like new flavors and uh, trying out stuff. So that's what I really like. Kombucha. Yeah, that's a, a that's an interesting drink for sure. I've enjoyed some of that. What's your favorite flavor of kombucha if you had to pick one? Um, I think the last one I tried was lavender and mint. Lavender. And I really liked it. Wow. Lavender and mint. That's awesome. Um, okay. So Seth Fendley is now the brand ambassador and team manager, is my understanding, in the U U.S., right? That's who his new yeah. role is. Um, how is that benefiting you as a player? We already saw him walking with you, mm -hmm. and I think he posted on social media about maybe your scooter getting held up, maybe almost not making the flight. But how is he helping you? <laughs> Yeah, he's a great guy. Um, he, he's just so helpful and such a nice person. Um, we didn't know each other that well before, but uh, him joining Latitude 64 has given us the opportunity to get uh, each other, to get to know each other a little better. And I mean, he's not a typical American, I feel like. He's very quiet, at least when we have been talking. And um modest and and just a very like overall very helpful guy um i think this is a he's a, like a great addition to latitude 64 because otherwise um our co communication was via sweden but now we have somebody right here that can really help us with with some stuff that needs to get done yeah it's it's perfect <laughs> you have to give me the absolute honest truth raw and uncut what is the typical American? How would you describe them? And you will not offend me or our fans. No, it's it's not nothing negative. It's just really outgoing, maybe a little loud, uh, very straightforward and honest, I would say. Interesting. That's a typical American for me. Yeah. Interesting. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, Nick, I keep going on here. Do you got yeah. any others? No, I got one. Uh, okay, earlier, go we were it. kind of talking about how your last offseason has gone with the surgery, rehabbing that. Talk to us a little bit about previous offseasons. We've seen such a kind of rise in your disc golf game with consistency. You're able to throw every single one of the great shots that's out there right now in the game. Um, just talk to us a little bit about how you trained for all that and where did this consistency come from? Mm, Some previous offseasons, I was just um, – able to throw so this offseason i basically did not throw at all because i wasn't allowed to do any powerful movements uh so i was a little bit afraid how it would turn out uh, i was able to do some putting and my putting has been working quite well um but um yeah just trying to dial in all the shots i guess this is what i've been lacking of Okay, so we had fans reach out earlier and they said they're interested in knowing more about where you came from. Not not Estonia, but your disc golf background. Um, how long have you been disc golfing? How did you find out about it? A lot of people may have heard this, but you have so many new fans. They're interested in knowing more about you. So tell us how you came to find disc golf and the journey to get here. Yeah, so I started around 2014. And back then, it was a very, very new sport in Estonia, only, I think, a couple of courses. And I had one near my 
my apartment back then. And I think one of my friends had seen this sport or played it in Finland. Back then it was already popular in Finland. So that's how I found out that this is a sport or, or a fun game. That's what I thought. And I went out and uh, tried it with my friends. And one thing led to another. And finally, they pushed me to take part of Estonian Championships um, in 2014 summer. And I won in playoff. And that's when everything started. I, I realized this is something that I could do as a competitive sport. And already the next year, I signed up uh, to all the PDJ tournaments I could find and just went nuts. <laughs> you, you went nuts. And now Latitude 64 made your contract public. Um, and so you, we know that you're one of the highest earning FPO players in the sport. We, we don't know everybody's contract, but we thought that was really awesome that Latitude did that for you. Um, your, your career has been great to this point. I think the sky is the limit. Obviously, you don't need me to tell you that. Um, what, what are your next goals? I mean, just to play the best you can, or do you have a 10 year plan? You know, what I've realized is that life is so unpredictable. So I try not to make like any huge plans. Um, obviously I try, I will play disc golf as long as, uh, I find it, uh, uh to spark my eyes, you know, uh, as long as I love the game and, and feel passionate about it, I will play competitively for sure. But um, you can never know what tomorrow brings. So uh, I try not to uh, bother myself too much with these things. So we have players in the sport like Nate Sexton and Jeremy Coling and Nate Doss, you know, Valerie Jenkins, all these players who are commentating now. Mm -hmm. I think one day... We want you to compete forever. We would love that. But one day we would love to see you in the booth giving your insight because I think you are going to have extremely valuable insight as a world champion, right? I think that would be something that would be really tremendous. Have you ever thought about that? To be honest, I have never thought about commentating. Uh, I think it's a really challenging job. I think it's it quite, yeah, it might be even harder than playing disc golf for me. <laughs> <laughs> you, you I think people are a little bit more critical about it. <laughs> but but she could do it. She could do it. I think as an athlete, you just have to say what you would be thinking in that moment. And I think you have the experience to do that. So when you're over here in the U.S., you don't bring a car. But how do you get around when you're here? How do you travel around the U.S.? Um, so, yeah, I typically rent a car. Uh, a couple of times, uh, Paul has hel helped us out and uh, given his car uh, for us uh, to drive around. So that's really nice. Uh, but yeah, a typical thing is to rent a car and uh, just travel around and uh, book some Airbnbs and, and that's how it goes. Wow. Do you, do you feel trapped at all? Like, oh, I wish I had more freedom. No, no. I think um, right now I feel very, very good about the, with the traveling and everything. It has gone smoothly. Awesome. Um, hey, Ben, intern Ben, if you're there, go four up, go four up on us. I want to bring Evan and Stat Mando here tracking all the stats for everything that disc golfers do. He's a part of that team and that startup there. Evan, I'm putting you on the spot, but what's one standout or two standout really cool stats? This was, you told it earlier, this is our first come from behind when is that correct uh 
second uh, going into the final round after 2021 Glow. But I do have a really cool one that I'd love to share is uh, the fastest players to get to 10 elite and major wins. So this was your 10th elite series or major win uh, in FPO. Uh, that's the third fastest of all time in FPO. The only two that were faster was Juliana Corver and Des Redding, which I believe Corver did it in 2003 and Des Redding did it in 2005. So it's been a long time since we've seen someone eclipse this new mark. So uh, I, I guess I'm just saying this, Dad, and didn't have a question around, <laughs> around it. Uh, but what do you make of that in getting to 10 wins uh, so quickly? Well, thank you for letting me know. I didn't know. Um, I mean, yeah, it's crazy how things have developed. Uh, again, this is something that I didn't like set out to do back in 2014 when I started my disc golf uh, career <laughs> to say, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, well, it's, it's cool. Uh, but I feel like, uh, there are more wins out there. So I try not to stop at 10. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, when you, when he's using names like Juliana and what was the other name? Uh, Des Redding. Redding. Yeah. Des yeah. Redding. I, and your name's getting used in that. I mean, that's incredible. Uh, awesome, awesome for you to be in that group for sure. Um, that kind of leads me to, you probably don't want to talk about your competitors. That's probably not something you do, but like the field, while it's the most strong that it's ever been, I think that's going to be true for the next, who knows how many years, but it's the most strong it's ever been. And you're still winning, which you did last year. You demonstrated that. But we're seeing other players faltering too. And I mean, knock on wood here. I'm not setting you up to falter, but like players are doing that, but you're still holding on. Um, what happens when everybody is on their game? Do you look forward to that when everybody is playing at the top of their game? Do you like that head-to-head -head competition? Yes, of course. I mean, I would love to win when everybody is playing good. I think that shows something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um yeah, I think this is what every athlete dreams about, like having this tight competition. At least I feel that's that's when I thrive, when I know like we're close and like every shot matters. That's why I feel like um, I was sort of giving up during uh, the final round in Waco because I took my double bogey and missed my putt. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm out of it. So I didn't have that extra push i felt like um but then again what if what if not <laughs> never know but um yeah i feel like uh, i play my best when uh when it's tight with somebody and and i know that every every shot matters yeah to, to be clear i'm i don't want to underplay you know ella hansen and the performances that the rest of the fpo field put on incredible performances but when we look at names like Paige pierce and katrina allen and then valerie mandahano is was out and other competitors i'm just saying the field is stronger than ever and we look forward to the opportunity when everybody is is you know at the very top of their game um nick i've kind of got these yeah. last closing out would you rather questions we've never done this with a guest before Are you cool with that i got a, well i got a, i got a couple brief ones really quick okay. uh i think just kind of talking about you know overseas players in general european players we still have yet to see a disc golf world championships make it across the pond right now but kind of talk to us just a little bit about players in your position is it better for them to build their brand coming over into the states do you think that's an easier way for them to build their brands or kind of becoming a great player in their respected countries 
and then traveling over when they think a skill set is good enough? Um, yeah, I think it would be better for them to build it up in their home country and then like maybe go further to Europe. And um, yeah, I think I think it would be a lot easier that way because traveling to the US, it uh, it's kind of expensive and not everybody in Europe, they they don't have like sponsors and uh it's it's a little bit tricky i would i would say uh so i look forward to the day when world championships are come to europe and uh, open doors to a lot of european players who actually have a daily job so they can't really like mm. take that much time off of their job to come to the us um, I think being a professional disc golfer is more common in the US and not so common in Europe. So maybe bringing world championships over there or yeah, this year, even like uh, disc golf pro tour events, I think that helps as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but bringing over these big events to Europe, uh, I think it would open doors to a lot of like um, unknown players, so to speak. Yeah. Now, I think we had known that the 2024 bid for the World Championships was in Nokia, Finland. Do you think that would be the first destination spot for a World Championship overseas? Or do you feel like there's another country that maybe people don't know as well, where there could be a World Championship held there as well? Uh, I think Finland holding the World Championships will be very appropriate because um, um, they are known for like uh, organizing really good events. And I think they have the resources and they have these uh, beautiful properties over there to pick from. And Nokia obviously is a great place to have world championships. So I think that would be a very appropriate place. Now in your, you know, this is kind of my last question, just revolving around the European players, in your opinion, who is kind of the next European player that we should really be on the lookout for, say in the FPO side and the MPO side, if you have one off the top of your head? <laughs> putting me in a hard spot right now. <laughs> um, well, we saw Einikin, uh perform very well, and she just signed a really good deal with Guru. So I'm looking forward to what she has uh, to offer all of us. Um, yeah, and from the MPO side, I I hope Linus Carson will uh, get his visa thing right and uh, look forward to him playing here. And then, of course, silver. You know, we got to... <laughs> I know. I thought this is already you, something you knew. Oh, yeah. He's well, he's, <laughs> he's my favorite player. I'm rooting for him every single tournament that he's at. He's you well, know, one you of my go. favorite people to hang out with when we're out on the road together. So it was a bummer not seeing him, obviously, over in the States so far. We do hope that throughout the year, at least I personally mm -hmm. hope that I'll be able to see him at least once or twice this year. And then kind of one little, one little sound, send off. Uh, Hannah asked me to shout out your favorite tour dog. And she said it has to be Harrison, but go ahead. Yes, it's Harrison, of course. I miss him. <laughs> that big fluffy. So anyways, Matt, I know you said you had some would you rather stuff. So Yeah, yeah. Know. We've never, we've done would you, if for those who have listened to the Nick and Matt show for years, there was a period of time where we did some would you rather questions between us as a group. And I think you probably remember that, but I don't think I've ever done it directly with a guest. So let's ask, this is, this is some of it not related to disc golf at all. So would you rather have a personal maid or a personal chef? If you had to choose one or the other, which would you choose? Personal chef, of course. 
<laughs> the food can be awesome. You can clean up after yourself. How about would you rather be able to speak any language or be able to communicate with animals? <gasps> I would I would like to communicate with animals. I think it would be far more interesting. <laughs> I agree. Which animal would you start with? And then what would you ask them? Um, I don't, I see a lot of cows on the road when we travel. So I would like to know what they think when they spent their days there. Yeah. That is so awesome. I'm really glad I asked that question. Um, would you rather be invisible or be able to fly? Um, I would rather fly. Like when you envision yourself flying, are you flapping your arms or do you have like Superman? You can just fly just like a jet. Mm, like a Superman. I would go with that. <laughs> yeah. I think it would be such a great view from up there and just being invisible. There's no point in that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I asked Eagle that question probably about like, five or six years ago. And I think he said it was either invisible or super speed. Cause he's like, I could pretend to throw the disc and run it to the basket. If he was invisible, right. You can mm. see it in the Interesting. <laughs> but, or if you're invisible, you just walk onto any flight, you hide and then you have free airfare. That's, I mean, yeah, but, but it means like if you're invisible, it means you're like sneaky and I'm not the sneaky are you, person. Are you like invisible 24 seven or, you know, we got to kind of dive into that a little bit more. If I just know that I'm pretty plane, sure it's where cold. are you going? Like you're gonna stand in the aisle and dodge people? Like you're gonna get like unless they can walk through you. Yeah, I don't but then know. you're standing I'm... all flight. That sounds terrible. I'm just saying, you I mean, you could even sit out on the wing, you know. Who knows? You could just hold on for dear life and you know, see where it takes you. <laughs> you don't know, you would just go into the cargo area where all the bags are. I'm sure that's freeze not filled to up to the brim. Yeah, Dude, you freeze to death. You don't have the in all air, oxygen, whatever yes, it's, it's called. It's a horrible story, but a plane coming into Boston a few years ago, maybe three years ago, somebody was stowed away in the wheel well. And when the wheels opened up on final approach to Boston, it dropped the person out like dead. Like, yeah. it's a real thing. Oh I mean, uh, sorry, I just took it to a whole Yeah, wait. Place. Yeah, we just got so morbid okay. for a second. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Matt, it was a crazy next, next question. Next one. Next one. Bring it back. <laughs> Absolutely crazy story. Okay, final one. <laughs> How do I go from that? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Would you rather win worlds the next four years in a row, but never win another event in the four years? Or would you rather win every event for the next four years, but no worlds? <laughs> That's a tough one. I would rather win every other event beside worlds. I think okay. it makes more sense. It's more financially reasonable also. Okay. I, I can see that. There's been debates on both sides of that. Like is worlds the defining moment for a player, right? Like Paul Macbeth mm -hmm. six times, you know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. but that's a good answer. It's a good answer. I mean, it is. I, I of course want to win worlds and other events, but <laughs> if I had to choose, I would go with every other one event. I, understand I would win all of them. It's, it's funny asking a player who can actually go out and win worlds or every single other event. So when, you know, you're asking Joe Schmoes, like me, Matt, Evan, Ben, it's kind of just like, I'm like, 
I, I don't know how I would answer that. I think world titles because that kind of etches your name in disc golf history for the rest of time. And especially, I mean, if I'm winning worlds every single year and I play for another 10 years, I'm a 10 time world champion. So, I mean, yeah. So, so there you go. I just got to win 13. <laughs> All right, Kristen, we've asked you a whole bunch of questions. You've given us a bunch of your time and we really appreciate it. Um, we imagine that you're going to win many more, but whether you do or you don't, we're a fan over at the Nick and Matt show, as many of our listeners and followers are as well. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, and we wish you nothing but the best. Thank you so much, guys. Bye-bye. All right. Kristen. Bye, Kristen. <laughs> okay, everybody. That was Kristen Tatar. If you didn't know, that was Kristen Tatar. And uh, th that was fun. Alert, she won Waco. Yeah. Oh, we're not going to, yeah, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Although Stat Mando I did see a comment on Stat Mando social media where someone's like, really, Stat Mando? You can't wait a few days to let us know who won? And I'm like, what? Like, it's unreal. It's yeah, so, kind of okay. their job to post about things you, like You know that, what I did know? with that? No. I just didn't respond. They can yeah, say that all they want. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I think we're literally jumping right in with this next interview, but I have to comment. I'm so glad I asked the question about would she rather learn language or talk to animals? You saw her facial expression that that was like the best thing she's ever been asked. And I, that's really cool. So, but I will say I was taken back and surprised by the cow. I will say that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. like we got a little bit of the perspective uh, coming from Europe, coming from Estonia specifically to the U S I mean, she gets to see a lot of the U S probably what well, not yeah. probably definitely more than the average american gets to see yeah. uh, just driving around uh, uh, she gets to see any state she wants to essentially uh and i'm sure uh, through a lot of the midwest which is much of our tour you see a whole lot of nothing uh no offense whole to midwesterners <laughs> uh you see corn open fields cows like that's what you see uh and so you're not seeing horses running alongside the the highway you're not seeing you know chicken coop after chicken coop you're seeing cows so i it kind of makes sense to me why that would be what kind of pops into her mind to be like hey how's true. how's the weather doing in this random oklahoma town true if i was in australia it, it would be like i want to talk to the kangaroos like it's yeah. exactly and i guess kangaroos are like our white-tailed deer they're just everywhere and i guess they're annoying for most and if you're a harry potter there. fan you'd be called a parcel tongue when you could talk to snakes and that's i would totally talk to a snake so chat awesome. chat YouTube listeners, fans of the show, let us know what animal and why, because I think that'd be really interesting to hear which animals people choose. There's got to be some really creative ones that would be beneficial to us. All right. Without further ado, intern Ben, we got someone in the green room. We do oh, indeed. Intern. Okay. There he is. Cool. Bring him on in. All right, let's go. Welcome to the show. Um, current reigning 2023 oh, Waco annual charity open winner, Kyle Klein. Welcome to the show. Whoa. Music. We have two songs going on at once. <laughs> Thank you. What's up, Kyle? What up? How you doing, hey, man? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. So good. fresh off the win, 2023 Waco from the chase card. Spoiler alert from the chase card. You won this event. Just kind of tell us how it feels. Let's We'll start there. I mean, it feels great. I mean, that's pretty much what anyone would say after they win up the lead series. I mean, it feels great. I feel honored to have uh, been able to take that down. Uh, so how would you rank still, it then? Yeah. It feels great, but how would you rank this for all of your wins in your career to this point? Out of all my wins, I don't have that many, but yeah. I'd say probably one or two, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess I just made Somewhere it, up there. 
you would probably rank all of your elites higher than anything else. So yes, I get to your yeah. point. But yeah, yeah. Where, do you rank this one or two? What do you think? You is it a, is this a massive win for you, or where do you put it? It's hard. I mean, I feel like it's hard to rank anything above your first really, uh, elite True. series win. True, but I'd give it a one point five. Chase Chase card victory. You're yeah. one of like three official official. I think is how it gets put. Is that true, Evan? Oh, oh nope. There's way more. I can find out the exact well, number. But it was just the fact that we were doing Discmania. I was doing the last four that happened, and they were all in the the 2020s or later. There's been probably five or six more before that. I think. Man, I just feel like it wasn't as much of a thing back in the day. But anyways, I'm not Statmando for a reason. Congratulations on that. A 13 down round going into the final round. Did you have a number in your head or did you say I have to play out of my mind or what was your, what was your, um, your game plan going into the final round? I mean, I was talking to some people and I was asking them what they thought it would took. They'd said around 13, 14. So I kind of kept that in mind. And, uh, I really just tried to execute exactly what I wanted to do. Like I had this plan of, I have to throw this, 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 make this putt or just try to get every birdie that I know is possible. And I got most of them. Did you, so you think you made a mistake or two out there? How many mistakes did you make? Maybe like, maybe like one or two real mistakes. But other than that, pars on holes that I know are hard and I'm not too upset with a par on. When you said those one or two mistakes, did those shots come to mind? Do you know what they are? Can you recall them? I mean, I'll, I mean, a tee shot on hole seven, I just, I yanked it, threw it down in like hole 10's fairway, was able to say par there, and then hole 14. That's a hole that I step up to, and I'm expect, not, I guess not expecting everybody, but really wanting to get one there. Yeah, I think kind of going through the, you know, when you can view the hole scores over on PDGA, seeing hole seven as a par, hole three as a par, hole 12 as a par, which is actually a really, really good par, hole 12, but getting the birdie on nine, it's kind of funny, you get the birdie on statistically probably one of the hardest holes in the course with being hole nine and then you know hole number seven is kind of it's more of a simple point and shoot kind of hole um did you kind of what what is your mindset going on when missing an easy hole like that are you thinking like oh crap i just lost a stroke to the leader or is it just like you know what that's one miss let's get on to the next one i mean it, yeah it is tough it, it's i'm not gonna say it like affects me mentally really but it, it it does it did hurt a little bit to miss that hole knowing that's probably gonna be one of the easiest holes on the day yeah um so when you shoot 13 down i already mentioned that but when you do that and you say man i had maybe like one or two and you use the quotations in air for our audio listeners <laughs> one or two misses um what is it that Kyle Klein needs to work on? Like, you know, your game better than anybody else. What is it that you're working on in your game that you feel like you can do better? Uh, just, I guess general, I mean, I feel like this weekend was, I was probably better than I have been any other tournament. like general cleanliness of play, like keeping it in the fairway and uh, throwing, like throwing ideally where I want to. Like I did, I did a good job of that. That's, that was something I worked on a lot this off season. I was just going to ask, how do you kind of practice that? Like throwing where you want to, like, what does that look like for you? Uh, spending a month in Charlotte and playing tight woods golf for, for multiple weeks. That's, that's pretty much how that's what it looks like. What, what, what does that take for you though? Like, is that you 
having to pull back on your power or is it a more conscious awareness of like, I'm not trying to throw this as far as I can? Like, what is it for you? Yeah, definitely like learning the control and learning my discs and learning the angles out of my hand and how knowing how my discs are supposed to fly and what angle I have to put them on to get them where I want to go. Is um, that's that's pretty much what I focus on. Okay. Um hole fifteen got brought up a few times in comments to us in the last round. Um what do you think happened there? Did anybody talk to you about it? Some say maybe your disc went out of bounds and slid under. Do you know what happened there on 15? Do you feel like it was lucky or what happened? Yeah, I, I threw my most overstable distance driver thinking it'd be all right. And it just kind of drifted over. It went over the fence. And then I don't know how. <laughs> Faded at the right time and like skipped at the perfect time and slid right back under. So I wasn't expecting that really. I saw one that's went over the fence. I was like, crap, I might just be out of it because this is going to be a tough bogey save mm -hmm. from way back where I was. And then I got the green flag and I was still, I was still shocked as I was walking up, finding it three feet inbound after I thought it was wet way out. Wow. Yeah. And that shot looked like it was in the last round. It looked like it was pushing people's discs over a little bit more. So that obviously happened to you, yeah. but your, your heart, probably stopped a little bit you said maybe you thought you were out of it yeah yeah because i know i've watched so many people uh just throughout that tournament with a headwind on a whole turn it over and take four five sixes and i knew it would have been a tough four so i thought that would have been that was two or three strokes lost yeah and correct me if i'm wrong another player on your card being cole radolin actually did turn it over on that hole and ended up walking away with a double bogey and that kind of affected his chance he was making a pretty good push alongside of you also on the chase card um just kind of talk to us now going into you're safe on hole 15 16 is one of the more relatively easy birdies but then 17 throwing a great drive great upshot and then 18 kind of coming down to where it's 400 plus feet over the water I think in the day that you guys were playing it, it was now playing into a tailwind, which relatively does make the distance a little bit easier. What did you throw on that hole to put yourself? It looks like probably not even more than a 20 foot putt. Uh, I threw S line DD three, just a pretty fairly overstable one. I knew just I had to walk up and throw it high, throw it wide and the wind would, wind would carry it. I didn't want to throw it too low because I saw too many people throw it low and just flare skip way out of bounds long. Yeah. Um, so you've won from a lead card, Idlewild, correct? Evan, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> and it was a playoff, correct? Yes. I, I want to make sure I got this right now that I'm screwing <laughs> things up. So you won a, in a playoff from a lead card, and now you have a come from behind chase card victory. Uh, what is there a different mindset going into those rounds? I already talked about like, what was your game plan? But like, now that you have the experience for both, does that give you experience going into other rounds where you might be a chase card or a lead card, different mindset? How do you feel? How do you use this experience? I'll just get it out. How do you use the experience to better you going forward? Um, it really just, it, it cements something, some belief in my brain that even even if you're on chase card, it doesn't it doesn't matter what card you're on as long as you're within X amount of strokes, you're you're still right there. It doesn't again doesn't matter what card you're on, but it's it's not over and you're not out of it just because you're on chase third card. That's awesome. So how how was Marky Chap on the bag? He's a guy from up here in the northeast. <laughs> he was great. He was great. He asked me the day before if I wanted, and I I told him maybe I'll see the day of. 
And he played that morning and he asked again, I'm like, sure, let's, let's give it a chance. <laughs> so it was kind of, it was kind of just a quick, uh, a quick forming thing that worked out great. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Did he do anything really annoying or no, it wasn't too bad. The only thing I can think of, sorry, Mark, if you're listening to this, <laughs> but whole, whole 17, we were walking down after I, I was parked for the birdie, but he walked down and said, you've only been in one other playoff or you've only lost one playoff for, for a big tournament. And the guy right over here beat you in it. <laughs> Pointed the no, ball at did not. for uh, USGDC. <laughs> and I'm like, thanks, Mark. Oh, God. that makes me feel great. <laughs> but that there was, I I feel like I was too. I had too much nervous energy to uh to really be mad at that. And I wasn't even mad. It was I laughed yeah. at it. Yeah. Now, yeah. kind of quickly talk about what is nervous energy to you. We've seen some people nervous energy. It you know creates yips for them. How do you deal with it? And what is that like? What do or what does nervous energy feel like for you? At least it feels different. I feel like every time I played this time, especially it was, it was, I couldn't get like my legs under control. Like my legs were shaking. I was like, I could feel, I felt more nerves that in that final nine holes than I felt in any other tournament I've ever played. So it was just like trying to get my breathing under control. Like my heart rate was way up and mm. I was just, I just had to, I was telling myself to take deep breaths the whole time. Gotcha. Now, 2023 has been kind of the year of news stories so far. We've seen Gannon Burr news stories going on. We've seen players leaving contracts. We've seen players moving. One of the big notable players is Simon Lazat moving from Discmania over to MVP. Now, that kind of opened up the role of the Crush Boy, Eagle having kind of a lackluster tournament at this one, you taking down the win. You know, what does this feel like with Simon leaving? Not that you're playing kind of in his shadow, but what does it feel like with Simon leaving Discmania and now kind of opening up that number one or number two spot in the organization how does that feel for you it i mean it feels like i just have i mean it's cliche to say i have feel like i have shoes to fill like he left and now someone i feel like someone had to take his place i mean feel like simon eagle were number one and two one of them left and i feel like somebody has to be in that number two spot and i feel like i have to i have to be there and again i'm not putting i'm not putting too much pressure on myself to be there but i know that deep down that's what i want to be yeah, Nick, I'm glad you asked that question because I, I had a similar question and I think you answered it, Kyle. But so you feel like, I don't want to say in a weird way, but Simon's departure has inspired you. Is that correct? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's weird to say like Simon move along, but now that he has, as you said, it's kind of like, hey, man, now I can step up to that. Um, Evan, I want to throw it over to you. You mentioned an interesting stat earlier. I'm going to give it to the stat professionals here. Um, I think it had to do with top 30 finishes. Is that correct, Evan? Yeah, it does. I actually, I have the exact number in a second. Hold on. I'm getting slow to doing it. Um, but you, you've made uh top 30 in every single event you've played in the last two seasons. And then it dates back to do a couple events back into 2021. It is 27 straight events and Gannon Burr has the most at 28. And that's the most that anyone Ooh. has for an active streak. Um, so I, I mean, I have a question going off of it, Matt. I don't know if you had something that you were planning, um, but a, a lot of people I think said last year, your season was a little bit underwhelming. You got the win in 2021 and in 2022, 
we maybe didn't see your name at the top of the leaderboard. I don't say that. I actually was, I, I'm going to say it, one of the defendants, but I do want to hear what you think about people who say that. Uh, meanwhile, you're getting top 30 after top 30 after top 30. I mean, I'll be the first one to say that I, I wanted more than anything to follow up my 2021 with an even better 2022, but unfortunately it didn't pan out that way. But I feel like I still had decent finishes, but I feel like it took me a longer time last year to get into the flow of it and get those top five, top tens that I did the previous year. And uh, it always seems like in that Midwest swing, I kind of pick it up. So I, my goal this year was to not wait for that. <laughs> yeah. Were you aware of that stat at all? Maybe not the exact number of how many in a row, but were you aware that you haven't placed outside of top 30? I mean, I wasn't thinking about it, but I saw it for the first time when I kind of thought, hey, that's, you know, I didn't think about that. Yeah, but, Gan um, Gannon Burr, the only yeah. other one. And so now you guys have something to compete for there. But I think it's it's incredibly awesome. I mean, the best players in the world, you included, but there's only two of you that are left not having place outside the top 30. So let's let's keep that streak going. That's pretty cool. Although, yeah, you, yeah. when you get a 28, how do you feel? 28th, though, how do you feel about it? <laughs> Yeah, not great. <laughs> I had a couple. I had a couple bad ones last year that I uh, I didn't feel too great about. Okay, um, I, go ahead. I want to. I want to dive into the back nine. So Waco is known for having uh, a scorable front nine, and then the back nine right around ten. It gets pretty tough, and we see less uh, less good scores. Um, everyone kind of plays a couple strokes worse on those, but looking at your scores, you were 16 under on the back nine and 15 under on the front nine. 16 under was the best throughout the whole tournament of anyone on the back nine. How did you feel when you were attacking those holes? Uh, I mean, I've said it before. I just, I knew I had a game plan to, to stick to. I knew where I wanted to throw and what I was going to throw. So I wasn't I wasn't too worried about being off the fairway because I I felt comfortable with my throw I felt comfortable with the distance I was throwing. So I mean even with the headwind, some of the holes back there aren't too aren't too hard. I mean 15 is the only real one that comes to mind. That's I'm probably not going to birdie this hole. So almost every other one I'm I'm looking to attack for some sort of look for birdie. Okay. I, I don't know if anybody else has any more tournament questions. Evan, I do. Nick? Okay, go ahead. Yep, Nick. I do. Uh, we just recently, literally 20 minutes ago, had Kristen Tatar, winner of the FPO division, on, and she was talking about how going into the final hole, she actually didn't really know the scores going on and what was happening around her. She had kind of lost a little bit of that mentality. You coming from the chase card, putting together a very solid round after every single hole, are you checking the scores? Are you checking the scores? You know, obviously you heard the cheers when Adam Hammes gets an ace on hole eight. Are you checking the scores every single hole though to figure out where you're at? I'm, I think I first check scores after hole nine. That's kind of something I do pretty much every round just to get an idea of like after nine holes, how's it going? Where am I at? And then I kind of go from there. So I did the same thing yesterday. And then I think I checked them every cup, every two or three holes just to just to update myself on what I need to do and where I'm at. Yeah. So we had, um, it, my brother, Josh comes on the show now almost on a weekly basis. And he gives us what he's thinking about current things. And he kind of said for the drama of the, from the fans perspective, we want the players to know the score so that they have to deal with that ice <laughs> in their veins. <laughs> like that's, that's something yeah. that's like, 
I mean, when you watch sports, I don't know if you have other sports that you like to watch. It's, it's exciting to know, right, when everyone, something's on the line, a big moment. Um, but you did it. You We knew that you knew because you parked, well, almost parked it, hole 18. You knew you had to do that to kind of secure it, and, and you did it. And I think that's a big moment. So good job there. Um, Thank you. So this is kind of random. Right before we get into um, – Evans, know your ABCs, which is a little trivia game we want you to play with us. But right before we get into that, Eagle McMahon on a previous podcast with us maybe eight weeks ago, six weeks ago. Yeah, there's an alarm going on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> How long I'm, in somebody's ran- I'm, I'm in somebody's workout room. Sorry. <laughs> so for our audio listeners, he's sitting in somebody's workout room and an alarm just starts going off. <laughs> I got it. It was a yes, stopwatch. You got it, it was a Nico. It was a Nico stopwatch. Yeah. It. Unfortunately, it was not. <laughs> <laughs> he double checked. <laughs> so um, that was fun. I'm glad you went and found that. Um, but so Eagle was on our show, and he used the wording like when I said, you know, we were talking about Simon leaving when it was announced, but we didn't know where Simon was going. And Eagle said, kind of like, don't don't you guys worry. We have an ace up our sleeve. And we being Disc Mania is my understanding. Do you have any idea what he's talking about? I don't, personally. Okay. I wish I knew, because there's been a lot of <laughs> speculation and rumors. But I wish. But uh, personally, I don't. I do not know. All right. And he wouldn't tell us anything either, but I was like a little surprised. Eagle, what are you talking about? Everyone's been going, ace up the sleeves, ace up the sleeve. What is it? What is it going to happen? Yeah. Um, All right, cool. A lot of stuff's been going on in the disc golf world, including legal drama between, I don't mean drama, it's serious, but legal um, stuff, stuff happening. Stuff. Contracts um, and other legal stuff. But like, does this change your perspective at all when it comes to contracts? Like you already have a contract lined up. When does your current contract end? Uh, I just signed an additional four years at uh, the end of last year. So I'll be with this through 2026. Okay. Does this change your perspective? Obviously experience other people's experience we can learn from like what you'll be looking for maybe in a, an additional three years or so. I mean, I don't know exactly how to answer that. Or, or are you happy? Like you think the way your contract is now, meaning all the options or things that you have in there, like you think it's pretty mm-hmm. solid. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're like, I'm happy yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I think, I think we did a good job and figured out, met at a good spot. Okay. And I, it's, I'm kind of curious about this part because I know that you started when you were young. You won the next gen tour. You were 17 when you did that, or, or uh, yes, yeah, 16, 17, 16. Okay. Um, so you're now what, like 20, 20, 20, 20. 20. Okay. So it's not a big deal, but like we're seeing obviously with Gannon, like he's a minor and all this, but you did your own contract. Did you use a sports agency at all to do this contract? Uh, yeah, I was with uh, Beacon Sports Management. I uh, worked with Xander from there. And awesome. He did, a, he did a great job. Shout out to them. That's actually how we got a hold of you, I think. Is that how they did Nice. They- I believe so. I believe he was he was the one who told me that you guys wanted me to be on here. Cool. Awesome. See, 
it's great. We have sports agencies yeah. now. We say, hey, we'd love to line up Kyle. And they go, hold on. We'll work on that. And here you are. So, okay. Let's so nicely. Let's Managers throw, and agencies. Let's throw it over to Evan. Know your ABCs. Kyle, this is a casual trivia game, but you can be as competitive All right. as you want. All right. Ooh, that's a good catch line right there. <laughs> All right. We just going right into it, Ben. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't have any music. Oh, I don't oh, oh sorry. Do it. Uh, All right. Nice. All right. A little outro music. But to bring us into the intro of Know Your ABCs, I'll ask a question and you'll have three options to choose from A, B, or C. So right. let's get into it. We talked about your top 30 streak. What I'm going to is the longest all time uh mpo top 30 streak so who has the longest all-time mpo top 30 streak from elite and major events only we got a ken climo b dave felberg or c paul Macbeth. who has the longest <laughs> all-time mpo top this is a toss 30 up. streak yeah, right. i feel like you could flip a coin for all three of them um, but I'm going to go with my gut reaction. My initial gut reaction was Ken Climo. Uh, my second would be Paul. But so A is Ken Climo, right? <laughs> and your third would be yeah, Dave Dave right, yeah, there's three options. But Climo is number A. I mean, A number A. It's A. <laughs> all right. All right. Over to Nick, if you're ready. Uh, I'm going to go with my gut feeling, and I would say C. Paul McBeth. Paul Kyle, McBeth. what are you thinking? Oh. Uh... Okay, I don't want to tie with any of you guys. I'm gonna go B. Ooh, I'm gonna, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna get it right, I'll get it. All right, we got. got Ben. You said B. Yeah, Feldberg. All right, we got two for Feldberg, one for Climbo, one for Macbeth. Somebody or multiple people are right. The correct answer is A. Ken Climbo ah. with 117. Dave Feldberg oh. was a good guess. He's actually third with his longest streak being 88. He also has another uh, streak within the top 10 of this list at 58. Those two streaks have one DNF uh, in between them. Uh, otherwise mm. combined, it would have been the longest. Uh, and then C, Paul McBeth is uh, no slash himself at 83. There's actually one name that's higher than Philberger McBeth that I think is worth a saying. Nate Doss with a hundred and five for a second because I was like Mr. Cash, but all right. He cashes, doesn't necessarily he doesn't even <laughs> yeah. he has a one event active streak of top thirties. He got cash in yeah. Vegas, but not a top thirty. I'll i I'll take the point. I, I I just went with my gut, but I my part of my thinking was like how big was the MPO field back then? and you think I would know more about that, but I feel like there's probably more opportunities to not get outside yeah, the yeah. top 30. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that was my initial thought too. But who knows? Not just field size, but quality it. of it too. The amount of players who are touring within that compared to, you know, your, uh, I was going to make a joke and say your Nick Carls of the region, but that that's a little harsh. So. <laughs> A strike one for you it. tonight. You and Ben, both of you guys about to get booted. Let's go. I I can't toss up a good joke, Nick. You know I think high, higher of you than that. Oh, that's you know, I'll, I'll give it to you because you are wearing a Descura UPF hoodie. You can check them out at DescuraDG.com. You know, and by the way, this is your yours one too, not not Ooh, the other one. Perfect. I it's got my so, logo on it. You just I don't have a camera looking. looking Turn around. Three sixty. All right. Uh, maybe another day. Uh, number two. Uh, over the past week, 
Uh, what country had the most 1,000 rated rounds outside of the U.S.? And that is based on the event location, not the players. What country had the most 1,000 rated rounds in the past week outside of the U.S.? Uh, we got A, Finland, B, Canada, or C, Germany. Wow. Finland? Canada or Germany, A, B, or C. The most 1,000-rated rounds in that event, doesn't matter where the player is from. They could be from any country. Uh, A, Finland, B, Canada, C, Germany. Let's start with Nick this time. I'm going Canada, B. All right, Kyle, what are you thinking? Um, I'm going to go Germany. All right, C, Germany. Ben, what do you got? I think Finland's a setup to trick us, but I'm still going to go with it. I'm going with Finland. <laughs> you're, and you're, Matt, over to you. You're pulling a me, Ben. That's a me thing to do. I think the clarifier where he goes, it doesn't matter where you're from. It's just the country is a purposeful there. And I'm trying to think who Finland. would have more players outside the country playing in the country. I'm going Canada with Nick. All right. The correct answer is... C Germany. No, Kyle getting a point there. Isn't that trick, wild? Trick question. That is really wild. Ben, how, how, what are the it, numbers we're talking about? Ben, you read it a hundred percent. Finland was there. It wasn't even. It, it was. I, I was fifth on the list, I guess. But I bumped it up because I'm like, hey, it's Finland. But it is Finland. winter. I think still there. It's winter here, so it's got to be winter there. Yeah, that's what I figured. I'm like, Canada <laughs> and Finland are like I'm know, in say, snow right now. You know, but they're they're what about Germany? They've had a lot right. of events going on. I mean, Germany. I had, guess I don't. Yeah, Germany had eight <laughs> 1,000 rated rounds. Spain eight. had five. Spain wasn't on the list, but they had. I was five. gonna say I thought it was Spain because I knew they played. But there was like some tournament there that a lot of Europeans went. To. Oh, I should have used that then. No kidding. Uh, Canada had three and Finland had one. The U.S. did have a whopping 342. <laughs> wow. Well, I if I was wearing my hat, I'd take it off for Kyle. I, I thought no way Germany for some reason. I was I don't know why, but and I, there you go. I did mean to look up what event had happened in Germany and just kind of see a little bit of it. I didn't get to that, but it was Germany at was one event, one event. Like they didn't have multiple events. Uh, well, I can find that. Well, by That's the way, okay. this is all on Statmando Monday on the site. I just pulled it straight from the site. Didn't even didn't even do my own uh, queries and stuff. Germany That's how had- good. That's how good Statmando.com is. It is great. Germany had two events, sixty-eight players, one hundred and seventy-one total rounds, eight one thousand eight rounds. Finland only had one event, but they did have more players. They had 88 players. Um, but this specific list didn't say what division. It could have been, you know, 88, you know, MA2 players. Shout out to my division. Not getting any 1,000-rated <laughs> rounds. <laughs> All right. Let's bring it into the final question. We got Matt with one point, Kyle with one point, Nick and Ben sitting with the goose egg. Goose egg. What is the most number of players in a single playoff for elite and major events the most number of players in a single oh. playoff so there's it's obviously at least two uh but the question is how high can it ever go? oh wait 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 ever wait. in elite elite and majors either division we got a two b three c four uh, to be clear you're saying historical what has happened actually 
Yes. Okay. What is um, the most number of players in a single playoff who, for a league in major one, events? I think Kyle's first on this one. Who it is? Kyle first. <laughs> I said it. I know. Okay. I I know three has happened. I'm trying to remember if I've ever seen four. <sighs> Didn't we think that almost it was going to be like a three or four when you were going to a playoff, Kyle? Wasn't there something like that? It was really close. It was oh like, yeah, I, I know. Wild. There was like going into the final hole. There were six people tied at the yeah. at twenty four under. It was oh, close. Wow. It was close. And so yeah. But I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go four. I'm gonna go C four. Oh man, who's up, Evan? Me. Go ahead, Ben. Uh, ben. All right. Uh, I think I think it's gonna be B three because another trick question from Evan. He wants us to pick four. Dang it! Yeah, no, I got, this. I got, I got this. Yeah, we got ben, big yeah. stats over here. Well, now no matter no matter what, I can't win. Mac can still win. Oh no! No, we can no, tie. Matt, no, because Ben Ben only has zero. Come All be, right, I'm be with yeah. Me. Yeah, I'm going, B, chooses, I'm going B. I'm going B because I I think it's three, but at the same time, I need to not choose what Kyle chooses. So. And Matt, don't you dare. Steve Falco, Steve Falco rule dare, would say that I can't pick what he did. I mean. Whatever. Long story short, is you, you got two two ways you could go. If I want to yeah. make sure that one of us wins, I have to pick three, and I think it's three. That's the most that I can remember, so I'm going with three. All right. So we do have three threes uh, and one four for Kyle. If Kyle Kyle's gets it right, he's the sole winner. If it is three, uh, Matt is the sole winner Matt. with a three way tie for second. Uh, the correct <laughs> answer is B three. <sighs> we have never seen a four way playoff. Uh, majors yeah i don't know how that was a trick question i i, I knew you guys weren't going to guess two but i have to throw it in but three or four like that's the question right there it's pretty straightforward i was I, trying to trick you with finland there's but. really never been four in any elite series or majors nope uh there has though been a four-way playoff at the skeleftia open this is from this uh statmando charity trivia show if you remember i don't have it pulled up right now but I'm like 99% sure I remember it was Evelina Salonen winning a playoff. It was a Euro Tour event, to be clear, uh-huh. so not an elite or major. Evelina Salonen winning a playoff over uh, Kristen Tatar, uh, Katrina Allen, and Paige Pierce. Gotcha. And that, I think it was 2018 Skeletia yeah. Open. But that's a Euro Tour, not an elite or major. We have never seen four. Uh, I did have the bonus being the last time it has happened. I don't know if anyone has quick immediate guesses before I say it in five seconds. 2014 USCGC. That is the second most recent occurrence. Oh, um, oh, it was uh, oh, shoot. Oh, you know it. It was Nick. It was Nick Hyde, wasn't it? It was one year at Nick Hyde. And there was three, I think. Uh, no, I don't have it on no? my list here. Maybe that was twenty eighteen Degla. What? What? What year? Oh man, I'm trying to look for the Nick Hyde. It was twenty seventeen. This uh, the the playoff in twenty seventeen. The, there's a playoff in twenty seventeen with three people. Was it MPO or FPO? It was MPO. There's actually, I don't think there's ever been a three-way tie in FPO. It wasn't Nick Hyde? Huh. No, I'll, I'll have to look that up. I don't have that on this what? list. All right, Evan, give it to us. It was uh, Hall of Fame Classic. I was going to say Hall of Fame Classic. Oh, gosh. Oh, is that the I one? I knew that. Hamas won, or is that too early? No, that 2019 was one that Hamas okay. lost. Or 2020. This might have been. Oh, that was man. 19. This was Paul Simon 2017 Ricky, Hall, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I got to look it up for sure. Right? That sounds right. 
well. Yeah, While Ricky you took it, it up, home, and, and you guys got it exactly right. Paul and Simon were yeah. the uh, second-place finishers. Wow. Who'd you say won it? Ricky did? Ricky did, yep. Nice. Nice. That's fun. And then in 2017, went on to win Worlds that year <laughs> at the same location. All right, Kyle. We appreciate the fact that you came on. Is there anything that we missed to talk about that you just want to offer up and say, hey, why didn't you guys ask me about this? I don't have anything like that, but I do want to say, intern Ben, you have my condolences with the the, the chip thing from the other week. That was that was the funniest. That was that was one of the funniest thing I've, thing I've ever watched. Thank Hold you. on, go go full screen, Ben. Go full screen. Intern oh, Ben, do it again. Do it. No, no not again. Not okay. again. Not again. Right. Dude, I have a year break from eating another hot chip. Yeah, you've earned it. <laughs> Horrible. That's so that's hilarious. awesome. Kyle, Kyle where can uh, where can the people support you? Where you know what signature series disc do you have? Tour series disc. You know where can people help you out? Uh, let's see. I'd say discmania.net, but I think my main net probably just sold out, unfortunately. But uh, greatlakesdisc.com has my fundraisers. If you want to go pick some of those up, they're awesome. Um, whale sacks, I have signature whale sacks there. And then I think grit patches on Grip's website. Those are, uh, you can go there. So check them out. Kyle Klein Disc Golf on Instagram. Kyle, thank you so much for coming on. Good luck the rest of the way. Congratulations once again, 2023 Waco Annual Charity Open winner. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Badass. And thanks for being a, a viewer or a listener at least once. We know you know about it. You watched, ben, so well, you watched we appreciate it. it. If, ben. Yeah. <laughs> ben, I'll put you on the spot. Do you have one of Kyle's fundraiser discs? Uh, I have a nope. origin. Not meta. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, that's one. a step. I'll that's have to go buy one. one right I will. I do throw the origin, so I'll have to buy another right. one. It used to be a thing where intern Ben would come in whenever he heard the guest and he would bring in their like tour disc or whatever they had. Cause Pete, look, yeah, you had a ton of the Chris and he's got a bunch of Chris. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I'm a reseller now. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate your time, Kyle so much. Um, next time you do something that, you know, people want to know more about, I've got your phone number. I'll hit you up. We appreciate it, man. All right. Sounds good. Peace All right. Have a good one. Peace out. <laughs> you guys too. Yeah. Well, that was Kyle Klein. As everyone knew, that's who we were just talking to. So um, while, ahead, while it's on my head really quick, while it's on my head, and I don't know the official ruling on this, but if there's a six-way tie in a playoff, do they split up the cards three and three or do they run a six them? I saw that question getting tossed around. I, yeah. I think cool. the answer With would be that they would do a six them. That's my understanding okay. of what I think it sh should if, be would be the wording I would go with because I think there would be an unfair disadvantage to yep. not being on the card and how could it be sudden death unless they were doing like this group gets eliminated down to one and this yeah. group gets I think it's going to have to be a six them if it ever happens. Okay. I would assume the same. Just curious like what if what if an eight person and I'm talking at like your local C tier like Mob somehow golf, some way an eight tier eight excuse me an eight person playoff happens. Do you just roll an eight sum or two four yeah. sums. I, I'm uh, just curious because of how many people were in contention towards the beginning of the final round at Waco. It was pretty nuts. Ooh. Like looking yeah, down which, the U disc leaderboard. 
Which on that, do you want do you want the stats on that? Yeah, let's give, give us a give few. I've got some other topics to round out the show. Uh, give I, us I, the stats. I just have the one, but yeah, uh, <laughs> the one about this one is that was the most players within three strokes of the leader going wow. into the final round of an elite or major event. Um, I oh man, I need to have this like right in front of me, but going off of memory with this, <laughs> I'm I'm like pretty sure it beat uh, 2021 Idlewild. Well, it obviously beat it because it was the top all time. I'm pretty sure that yeah. was the but down to the last hole. Top. But down to the last hole it, where there's not, six people it's tied. It's not by hole. It was just by going into the final round. Yeah. Um, that we need to go on live scores, which we could do for that uh, for that tournament, but not you, you yeah. just can't do it all time for league. Interesting. Uh, but there was one which oh man, I got to look this up real quick as I'm talking. I'm going to try my best. I'm going for it. But there was one event uh, on a silver event that had more going into the final round. And it was the 2021 uh, mid America open, which is that not the one that Kyle also won? Kyle also won. Yes. That's interesting. You know, what's interesting, Evan, this is interesting and have your guys, or you look into this because the one he won at Idlewild was insanely close with a large group. You're telling me mid America was, and then um, this one, he just did. Is there something about Kyle Klein? We need to find out that when this is the case, like he's going to pull off the win. <laughs> That's yeah, I hold on. I can get that actually really quick. I have pretty much the exact thing pulled up. We need and the Gannon Burr, the Gannon Burr. Um, yeah. Like what was he doing? Imitating you? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now that I think about it. Yeah, it, it wasn't Ida Wild. This is next post. Yeah, it was Dogwood Crosstown Classic was the next highest. Um, I'm actually trying to think where where Idlewild was. I guess it wasn't a lot going into that round. I don't even see it on this list very no, high. No, it was it was literally the so last it, like two or three hole, one hole even. Yeah, exactly. So it's not like this exact criteria. Um, I think I might have saw it all the way down. No, that's 2017. Oh well, yeah, I'm not sure. But it, the the previous record was the tw- 2004 Dogwood Crosstown Classic, uh, an NT in North Carolina um but yeah mid-america open in 2021 that is correct a silver uh, series event uh had 12 players within three strokes of the win and that was kyle klein taking it down so uh we'll have to do it going into the final hole or last three holes yeah. or something like that as well for recent years and see kind of what the records are i, I i'm i'm stuttering here because i think it's going to start happening a lot more like i honestly think this is going to be much more common now I thought it was a very high likelihood of going to a playoff at Waco, um, as did Brian Earhart on the ground, as did everyone in the booth, as did everyone watching. But in our heads, we all said, yeah, but one person can kind of just play just a little bit better, one stroke better, and that's what happened. Um, So, But I still think it's going to happen more often. Okay, talking – yeah, go ahead. I want to say quickly, it depends a lot on the course. Waco's one with a little bit less course separation, less like raw distance. You're going to see more there than you will. It was so fun to watch. At like yeah, OTB. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to throw that under the bus. Like OTB Portland, like these kind of newer golf courses um, are a little bit longer, and so you're going to have the the big arms stretch a little bit more and just have a little bit more score separation, which is a good thing sometimes. Uh, it, it's like a trade off, you know. Uh, more packed finishes with more players, or kind of a better uh, better player wins kind of scenario. Uh, I'm yeah. trying to quickly say the words in it, but I think people get what I mean. Okay. I've got uh, one or two topics left to actually discuss as we get closer to rounding out the show here. But I did think it was interesting, the announcement at the very least, that disc, um, I'm sorry, Dynamic Disc was now purchased or an investment firm or uh, what is it? Uh, 
what's the name of it? Uh, a, hedge, a hedge fund, House of Discs. Adventure House of Discs. Thank you. Adventure Thank Capitalist. You. House of Discs. Yes. Um, they had already owned or purchased or invested in Trilogy. They now have taken Castaplask, Dynamic Discs, West Side, um, and tri- um, sorry, and Latitude. Did I miss any? I don't uh, think. No, it's it's Latitude, West Side, Dynamic Discs, and then Castaplask, and then there's yes. also Hand Eye. That's oh, uh, that's I think what under this this may uh, sorry under Dynamic Discs. Yes, that's right. Not a manufacturer. So, so it's interesting. Um, Money is starting to show up in other places and people that are seeing an opportunity are, are putting their money there. So that's interesting. At the very least, you can find that all out um, at dynamicdiscom slash blogs or whatever. You can go check that out. But here's a fun topic that we had inside of our chat, our group chat prior to Waco. We saw conversations on the interwebs about this. I think that interwebs is a Terry Miller term interwebs. Sorry. um but was paul Macbeth's round at waco considered perfect would you the wording was would you consider it perfect and i i'm gonna give you my thoughts evan will give you his and nick can round it out as the friend of paul Macbeth. he can say whatever he needs to yeah can we set the ground stage real quick so so what's in question is not whether or not an 18 under well it's it's whether an 18 under in general is a perfect round or if you need to birdie or, or better every hole or what, or yeah. whatever criteria is your time for a perfect round. Absolutely. I would say that what we're trying to decide here is, do you think his round was perfect? And you can define that how you would like to. So I will start off by saying, I do not think it was a perfect round there. I got it out. Could probably stop talking. Some of you would be happy with that. Yeah. But before, what I, before you, before I, you throw yourself under the bus. Yeah. So I don't think it was perfect. Well, the implication or the the idea of when perfect comes to mind, it means no mistakes. Now, you could argue that. And I'm okay with someone making the argument that no mistakes were made. There was no bogeys out there. There was a par. Um, So that's not a mistake. Um, Then you can make the argument that pars then. All pars in a round, 18 pars is perfect because there were no mistakes made. So I'm not sure that it's arbitrary, but birdies were decided to be, in most people's minds, the the what the goal for each hole okay birdie or better um the fact that he parred one yes he eagled so you could say he made up for it um but i think at the end of the day we want to see birdie or better being the perfect round it's just a feeling i have i don't really have much to stand on evan as i close out my thoughts i'm gonna i'll toss it to you because you kind of brought me down this 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 road map of how baseball works and i'll let you bring that up but it sent me over to another sport that I used to do, which was climbing, rock climbing. And there was different ways to accomplish climbing a route that was set out before you. One was without having any knowledge of that route or practice of it. The first time you open your eyes and you take 10 seconds to get onto that wall and you start climbing it. If you do it the first try without any mistakes and top out, uh, I forget what I call it, but it has a term. Then there's a term for being able to see it look at it, practice it in your mind for let's say five or 10 minutes and then climb it without mistake, being able to make it to the top. And then there's the opportunity to climb and practice, 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 and do it, climb to the top without a mistake. They all have different terms, flash, I think, red point and on point. But the but what I'm trying to make a point here is they all completed it without mistake, but there was a different way to do it. I kind of feel like with disc golf, we need a different term some term other than perfect it needs to be we need to make up a term for it 
Uh, if you go all birdies or if you do what Paul did, 18 down, 18 down should have its own term because 18 down could be what Paul did or it could be all birdies. Anyways, share your thoughts in the comments. Evan, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree that it's all about the term. I think we just need a new, slightly different term uh, for 18 down. What I will say, what I think a perfect round is, is birdie or better on every single hole. You could get an eagle on one and 17 birdies on the other. If it's an 18 hole course, that is fine with me. Uh, I don't think we need to go above and beyond. Like I think we mentioned uh, a perfect round would be acing every hole or, or getting um, uh, an eagle or better on every hole. I I'm not going to go that far. Yeah, you can have a pitch and putt course where you call everything a par four. So yeah, you should birdie your Eagle, everything. Uh, I, I'm not going to go there, but um, I so think Paul's round wasn't perfect then, right? I don't think that uh, Paul's 18 down were perfect. Neither of his, because they're both 16 birdies, one Eagle and one par. I think my, the analogy I'm making is to baseball that Paul Macbeth threw a no hitter. He did not throw a perfect game and a perfect game is when you get every single batter, uh, their plate appearance, you get them out. You don't let any walks, you don't let any, uh, well, not necessarily you, but there aren't any errors to let those players get on base. No players ever get on base and no hitter is where you don't let up a single hit. You might walk some players, you might get some, uh, errors in the field, but no one got a hit off you. To me, that's what Paul McBeth's 18 down was, although probably more rare than a no hitter. So there's some term that's like, it is perfect. Like I get why you could call it perfect. I understand the reasoning that people have called it that, but I do think it's time to switch something where perfect is birdie or better. And we just need a slightly different term to be like uh, 18 under. And I don't know, I don't want to call it an amazing round. Like that's we'll make uh, up a word. more than an amazing, but yeah, yeah it's like submit your, submit your ideas, word. submit your ideas. But I want to say this, the fact that we're talking about this, how many years later, kudos to you, Paul, you did something incredibly special, whether we call it perfect or not, it was 18 down and, it was impressive. Very impressive. I mean, this is just the fun of podcasts. We can talk about yeah. anything. <laughs> and this is, you know, that's that's twice that Paul has done it. And I think because I've played both courses that he's shot 18 down at. And the Deagolo one is way more impressive in my eyes than the Waco one. Um, but kind of getting off of that, to me, that round is not perfect. I don't think either of those 18 downs are perfect because he technically did par a hole on it. Has Paul um, ever told you if he thought it was perfect? I don't I don't know if I've really ever asked him. I think, I think text one of the right things now. I think one of the things that I've asked him before is like what round was better, the 17 down at Fountain Hills or the 15 down or 16 down at Maple Hill or the 18 down at Deglo. Obviously with the 18 down over at Deglo getting the publicity that it did on like ESPN and kind of being the first one at an elite series event on such a big stage was huge. But the Fountain Hills 17 1132 rated round was, you know, to compete for a playoff and then ultimately losing in the playoffs. So there's tons of different stipulations with it, but neither the Deagle round or the Waco round, I think are perfect because of that one par. Now, if you're looking at, and this is my own personal opinion on it. If I'm looking at what is a perfect round, I'm thinking of what is the physical capability of like, what's the best possible outcome on a whole to that person's physical capability. So if Paul could technically eagle, like he could reach every one of those holes, it's realistic that if you gave him a million shots, he would eagle that hole at least once. If he was to score the best that he possibly could on each hole, that would technically be a perfect round. Um, some people would argue that just getting a birdie or better because that is a, you know, a good score or it's a score that you're aiming for, 18 birdies would be 
a perfect round, but I, I think that if you were to play, you know, a par four, that's 500 feet, every single one of these players that's on the top level could go out and Eagle that hole. If it was a wide open 500 foot hole, that was called the par four. Each one of those players could go out and Eagle that hole. So physically they could score better than just a birdie on it. So I think if that was kind of the way that it was, then that to me would be a perfect round. If they did the best that they possibly could on a hole, then I don't know. That would be the perfect round. Well, but and I actually, time, there's, there's so many different, we were talking about this in the chat and I remember saying, Oh my, cause Evan brought it up originally and I was like, Oh my God, why are people bringing this up? Because it was the third text that I got that day about like, what is a perfect round? And I was hanging out at a bunch of buddies houses this week, two weekends ago. And we are getting into get playful arguments about this. But at the same time, it was like, no one, it's very rare that people actually agree on what is the perfect round. And I think disc golf is one of those things where there's not really a perfection to it. You know, it's like golf is not perfect. But, disc golf is not perfect. In darts, you can have a perfect leg. You could technically have a perfect set because there are ways that that is actually achievable. But in disc golf, it's different because it's like, hey, Paul could technically ace every single one of these par threes because he can reach all those holes. And that is technically the best possible score that he could get on it. So that would be a perfect score. What does so, Paul I, consider? I, I, by the way, I sent Paul I a text Paul, message. Yeah. I, I sent him a message <laughs> and I said, do you consider your Waco minus 18? I put in quotes, perfect question mark. Now he has five minutes before we can let the show know <laughs> if he doesn't get to it. We'll have to find out later. Hey, Siri, we can fill him call in next Paul. Week. Yeah. We can uh, just call him up. Well, so here's my, here's my quick, quick thought to your thought, Nick is uh, about having perfect mean. If it's, if it's even possible yeah. is I'm going, I'm sticking with my baseball analogy. This is where I came. It's called the perfect game. I think that's a fair way to go with uh, a perfect game. Doesn't mean that you struck out every batter. It doesn't mean that you didn't throw a single ball. Uh, it doesn't mean that you uh, like an immaculate inning in baseball yeah. is you have three strikeouts uh, to get the three outs in the inning. And uh -huh. each one was a three pitch strikeout but in uh, baseball. Just told you're not, you're not looking technically for the lowest pitch count on like three straight strikes because technically you're going to get that batter out. So whether it's a ground out, a fly out or a strikeout, the person is out. And so that is the objective of the game and disc golf. The objective is to shoot the lowest possible score. Totally fair. Right? I'm just saying there's more possible ways to be more perfect, I guess. And, and, and yeah. I guess your analogy back to that with. is could be like, Oh yeah, you park every hole for birdie. So there I needs to be a term. Yeah. There needs I to be a term. Yeah. because so that's oh i i don't even think I, I i don't even think that i would say like you know that's when we're going to get way too deep into it if someone makes a 35 foot putt instead of all 20 foot putts you know if, <laughs> yes that's that's going way too far but i think just kind of going off of what evan was saying the objective in baseball is to you have what technically legitimately you have 27 batters come up more than likely unless you're the home team then you only have 24 sometimes but like 27 no, batters you are team, aiming yeah. what's that if you're the way team and you're uh, losing, you only you would pitch to 24 batters. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so uh, your objective is to get 27 batters out. Now there's no perfect way of getting someone out because an out is an out. And so I would say if you get 27 people out in a row, then that is a perfect game. Whether it's strikeouts, flyouts, groundouts, or whatever, I don't think there's any more outs you can get. Um, that to me would be a perfect game. 
Okay. All right. Well, I got one one last time. Give it's it. A, a, Give one it. sentence. I do appreciate the chat saying, yeah, it already has a name. It's just called 18 Down. That's <laughs> hilarious. Simple enough. That could be the answer. But I do want to hear other people's opinions, too. So that's a good spot to throw a comment on this. I I feel like he Paul hasn't responded. He's got about a minute or two here to do that. But if Paul's perspective is that he does consider it perfect, what that means is there's going to be outside perspective and then the player perspective, which is like, I'm not a professional, but have I ever thrown what I would consider a perfect round for my skill level, right? Now there's one round that comes to mind. I shot my personal best 1020. You could probably find it ever, but 1020 something rated. And it was at Maple Hill, 1020 something. And I can remember in that round, there was one specific throw that I said, that was a mistake. One. That is by far the absolute best round I've ever thrown where I can only come up with one throw. Um, and so had I fixed that throw, would I have said I threw Matt Graham perfect round? Maybe. So there's obviously that side of the conversation as well. If Paul says, yes, I consider that perfect. Then it's perfect. But maybe not to the fan. Yeah. That that was a, uh, I guess par was 60 on gold. So it was even on goals. You had to write 10-23 or at least we're close. Yeah. Uh, hot round of the vibram open am side by four yes. strokes you yes. beat cal moriarty by 10 strokes uh cal <laughs> moriarty is a uh fairly good disc golfer out of massachusetts <laughs> i don't know uh, what happened guys i don't yeah. know what happened i'm trying to scroll down to see if there's anyone you, else well notable. you stayed here kyle just went yeah. up and up and up <laughs> and when i say here nick carl just went up and up and up slowly and I just here. To go up and up and up intern ben is gonna go up and up <laughs> yeah <laughs> just, i just stay here uh, so guys, I'm in, uh, a, the central time zone, which is very weird for me. I'm like, guys, it's early. It's just now yeah, it's for you. It's only what eight o'clock right now. Yeah. But here's oh, beauty of it. Beauty of it. I don't know exactly what time it went dark out, but I remember getting out of the shower at about six 15 and it was still wicked light out. And I was stoked because that means I get to play disc golf longer throughout the day. And that's super awesome. Yep. So yes. And as part of this time change deal, we had a little bit of text conversation about that today, but trying to correspond with players in different time zones. And then with the time daylight's time saving going away or yeah. Anyways. No, the daylight savings coming. It's like, it's now daylight savings. We have entered now daylight savings. savings. No, are they canceling daylight savings? I don't know what's going to happen. This might be normal for everybody, but it's not official yet. They are. But here's what I was going to say. And this is just entertaining for me, probably more than anybody else. But last week on Thursday, I traveled from Eastern and I, gained an hour going to Madison, Wisconsin. The next day I flew home and I lost an hour. The next night it was removing daylight standards or uh, savings time. And I lost another hour. The next day I flew back here and I gained the hour. So three or four days in a row I've gained and double lost and gained. And now when I come back, I'm going to lose the hour again. I literally have no idea when I should eat or sleep, but I am yeah. in central time right now. Right now, right now with central daylight time, you are experiencing the same time as, as not necessarily to the sun, but the same time as you were all winter long in Massachusetts. It's right. Central, central daylight time is now Eastern standard. So Eastern daylight time, we are now moving to what people call Atlantic time which is like for the uh, northeastern so Canada. Yeah, what is We're now pushing east. I need to talk disc golf, <laughs> something I actually understand. So <laughs> what what sparked that, though? And I just want to have a quick PSA for everyone do it, listening. Do it. Do it. 
it's uh, we're using daylight savings it's summer drop drop the s when you write a time and you're saying the time zone est just drop the s never ever use it just say et all year long and we'll understand what you're saying it, it came from you know matt was telling us when people were joining and he was like this time est and i'm like okay i know what you mean <laughs> but i'm gonna make this a hassle because it is a pet peeve of mine that est is now actually what you're talking about central time uh central daylight time that is and so Drop the S. Don't even use the D in daylight time. Just do ET if you're in Central CT, MT, PT, whatever else. If you're in a different country, then I don't know what you all do there. But just two letters, it'll solve everything. And daylight savings is good. We all like daylight savings. We don't like changing to it. And then I have a, I have a quick, I just thought of this in my head, and I have to go back to this. What In, in your eyes in baseball, what's a perfect game? Uh, the same as all fans. So if anyone's saying otherwise, uh, it's getting all 27, uh, batters out during their plate appearance, I think. Is okay. The so pitch answer. count doesn't matter. Pitch count does not matter. You can throw a million pitches and still have a perfect game. Okay. I was going to say, because someone in the chat, I think it was Ken Chapman actually was saying in the chat, 27 pitches is, you know, nine outs, but I'm like, okay, what about nine pitches? That's nine outs. Technically. If the guy hits a ball, grounds out to first every single time, nine yeah, and, pitches. And with the new baseball rules, you can get a perfect game without even throwing a pitch if the batter yeah. doesn't get into the in the batter's box yeah. in time. And, <laughs> but I was thinking in my head, I'm like, technically, the best that you could possibly do is throw yeah. one pitch per batter. He We're flies out every single this, time. That was the point I was making. Uh, oh, kinda, dude. Roughly. Now, uh, now, now I'm heating it in. Not necessarily uh, my point, but something yeah, about no, I, I don't know how to do it. We're, we're done with I don't, that. I don't, know, I don't, I don't really know what though. you would call a perfect game in disc golf. No, Nick, we're round. done with it. We're done with it. All right. Is I, I want to know, know people's opinions. And so I would love it. for the comment section on YouTube for people to just go off on this because I'm genuinely curious because I think in golf and in disc golf, there's what is, what is perfect. I want to know. You know what? I have another challenge for the comments. Drop a compliment. For Nick and for Matt, be nice. A genuine compliment that you've thought of, but you haven't typed in the chat or or in the YouTube comments. You know, you know, not many people comment that what they think positively. So go ahead, I challenge you. Let's go. go. Intern Ben is now doing our official closeouts, and we did not pay him to say that, but he's gonna get jerky, yeah. jerky by the buttload. I'm not double G crafter. Boat, boat load, boat load, double G crafter. And Everybody. speaking of. Cosmic Disc Golf. Thank you for presenting this episode. CosmicDG.com presenting episode 129. Nick, go ahead and close us out. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in on this absolutely wonderful Monday night. This was episode 129 presented by Cosmic Disc Golf. Check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to leave a comment, leave a like, subscribe to the channel, check us out. Monday night, open at Austin. We've never seen the course before. I think Paul and Kat, Paul and Kristen are going to win it. No oh. one else's picks really matter. Anyways, I'm just gonna. Picks. If we want to do picks, we can do picks quick. Oh my goodness! Oh, picks. I had a pick. wait. Same quick, same quick. Paul and Kristen. One. Uh, Calvin, Calvin and Katrina. There you go, Ben. Hold on, hold on. Chris hold on. Dickerson and, and Ella Hansen. There we go, Ben. I mean, Evan. I'm going Kristen Tatar for sure. This is loading slowly. I almost want to go Simon. <laughs> I almost want to go Simon. I'm so close. You can't use stats. There we go. I, but I want to. It's not show. loading. Okay, I'm sticking with it. I'm going Simon. All, All right, right, he's going Simon Tatar. I love that. Sticking Everybody, thank you show. once again. Tell someone you love them this week. We'll catch you in the next one. Ben, you're awesome. Nick, you're awesome. Evan, you're awesome. Peace out, everybody. Peace. 
The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find The Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.